Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. Can you believe that there are some people in this world that did not tune in to the Alliance Vlog podcast? Shame on you! Shame on you! My name is Ella Indy and I'm one half of the NWA Women's World Tag Team Champion. And I'm Kizzy Page, the other half of the NWA World Women's Tag Team Champion. And you better go listen to the Alliance Vlog, what is it called? Podcast, period. You're ugly. Hey guys, check this out. I am officially now sponsored by Dubby. Dubby is a clean energy drink made to give you focus with no crash. If you guys are like me, you're always needing a burst of energy, especially with wonderful crash. Dubby contains vitamins, amino acids, a nootropic, and 150 milligrams of caffeine. It keeps me awake with no jitters, guys. Check it out. Merch link is in the bio. Dubby. What's up, everybody? If I was more professional, I would have already taken this down, and I would have had the screen like this, and I'd say, hey, guys, welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and with me is Rick Del Santo, not DKM, not Jane, but Rick Del Santo. Rick, welcome to the show, pal. How are you? I am excellent. How are you today? I'm doing well. And if you notice behind Rick is that beautiful logo. That is the logo of the PWZ podcast. He is also on YouTube. He's also on Facebook. He is also on Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, and, and as far as I'm concerned, Rick is part of the Alliance blog family. So if you guys want to do me a solid, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, and everything that uh, Rick is doing. Because, again, we are all part of that great big uh, Alliance blog family. And uh, I do respect the hell out of uh, Rick Del Santo, and I hope you guys will check out what he's doing too. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted, sorry, my phone just sent me a notification, so I'm putting that thing on silent. Uh, I just wanted to talk about a little bit off the bat. Uh, you've been pretty vocal about some of the things that have uh, displeased you about the NWA. Now, obviously, that's what, uh, that's what we do here is we talk about NWA ad nauseum, but, uh, you know, what's, what are some of the things that the NWA right now, I mean, let me phrase this another way. Is there anything with the in-ring action, the matches themselves, the pro wrestling that we watch, is there anything that you disagree with? Or is it more based on some of the characters or storyline? What, where is your uh, dis- discomfort with the, with the program? There, it could be a little bit of both. The, the storylines or characters, I should say, some of them I don't agree with now. Mind you, I grew up in a time with the, I like the traditional style of professional wrestling and I don't like certain characters that have come about. Um, and some of these um, here today in the modern era just don't do it for me. They just kind of sh- really strike me the wrong way. And uh, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if I'm watching, like I said, I know that you guys have heard me say this before. 
with my my child who loves yeah. watching the NWA. So some of them tend to be a, a tad bit offensive, uh, I guess you could say. And match-wise, it's just some things I'm just not into, again, because of uh, being a traditional fan. I I get what you're saying. Um, because, we, you know, one of the things we do on this podcast on the regular is we will praise the things that we do enjoy because there are some things to be happy about with the current direction of the NWA. And then we do uh, voice our concerns, our complaints, our criticisms about uh, some of the characters uh, – some of the storyline that they that they present, uh, you know, I can forgive a bad storyline, but I, I can't really forgive bad characters. You know, yeah. a storyline you never really know how that's going to pan out when you are you know booking for for a pro wrestling show. Like Billy has no idea what's going to hit or miss when he's drafting these ideas up. However, the characters, I mean, after one episode, you could tell whether the uh, fan base is going to accept or or not accept something and. And again, you just have to use a little bit of common sense. Like, uh, is this really appropriate for all ages? And when that answer is no, right. then maybe this shouldn't be the NWA anymore. Maybe it's it's more like, uh, you know, the Billy Wrestling Federation or, you know, Lightning One Wrestling or something. Uh, but I, I, I just have a problem when you put that NWA initial on something and it's no longer for a general audience. It comes across to me more falling in that sports entertainment type category as uh as opposed to professional wrestling and that's what i've, I've always called the professional wrestling i've never used the term uh, sports entertainment so yeah like i said that's what i like yeah and it's you know i don't know it's kind of ironic that um you know billy has mentioned his uh you know his affinity for not just only the nwa brand but uh in the classic pro wrestling that he grew up watching in the south side in chicago and, and it has brought up many of examples of Central States wrestling and, and stuff that he used to watch back in the day. But then when he comes to produce a show, it's more akin to what you'd see on Impact or WWE. It's not really, it doesn't really have that traditional look and feel like you would expect like a Jim Crockett promotions to have. Correct. Or the stuff that Billy has professed his love for. Um, I'd, I'd probably go with more impact than WWE at, at times. You know, it's uh there could be very good wrestling, but some of the stories and in, in the backstage or behind the scenes type stuff, you know, is the stuff that turns me off yeah. to it a lot. But I still watch. I do still watch each show every week. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of uh, of Impact. I know that they just killed somebody off recently on that show. Oh. <laughs> I think that's how they got writ, uh, wrote Eric Young out of storyline. But yeah. I I just think it's uh, it's such a unique. Uh, wild way of doing something to kill somebody off of the storyline and that's not the first time they did that no i think and they I, did that with uh rvd as well didn't they uh, i don't know rv i know they did that for um an aew i think they call her the bunny alley all right yep I, I think they killed her off in storyline uh you know they all they uh people over the years have always expressed that pro wrestling is a lot like soap operas mm -hmm. so I mean, I guess that's that's within the, the realm of possibility. I just prefer not to do that. Yes, I like my storylines to be more based in sports. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that attracted me towards the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions as a child. That, yeah, you know, I mean, of course, the first thing I ever saw was WWF TV. But uh, 
when I discovered the NWA, I liked it that it was like darkened arena. People use more realistic names and it just seemed more sports oriented than, you know, people coming out to the ring dancing or coming out with a pet or something to that effect. Well, you see, and, 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 uh, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, but I'm, I'm sure it's come up. I grew up in Southern California where we were, um, uh, you know, up until like 1986, we had our own territory uh, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles with the Coliseum, excuse me, not the Coliseum, but the uh, Olympic Auditorium, right. where it was a very, it was a derivative of what the NWA, the NWA, we kind of think of the nostalgic version of the NWA. I mean, some of the matches that were like uh, carried that that territory were like John Tolos versus Fred Blassie yep. or like uh, Chavo Guerrero Sr. versus Roddy Piper. And, and you had like these these very intense angles and storylines and feuds. And then when uh, they went out of business and they sold to the McMahons, then that's when the WWE came into or WWF came into town. Mm-hmm. And everything changed. And the storylines, yep. you know, the wrestling that we got is the same thing that everyone else got. Uh, I'd wake up Saturday mornings and around uh, 10 o'clock, I would watch pro wrestling. I would watch the WWF and then I'd f- stumble the remote and find a, uh, glow wrestling and then in yep. the afternoon i'd go find a wcw or excuse me uh the nwa jim crocker promotions right tbs yeah i mean uh i always started my day off with saturday morning cartoons then 905 was uh or nine o'clock was uh nwa pro wrestling on uh yeah. channel 11 out in new york and then 10 o'clock was wwf superstars of wrestling so i spent my day between cartoons and uh, professional wrestling in the 1980s and into the early 90s. Yeah, well, that what better way to start off your day, too? You know, as a kid, right. like you get to watch some G.I. Joe, some Superman, and then you're watching Hulk Hogan drop a leg and, and Arn right. Anderson right. spine bust somebody. I mean, that's that to me sounds like an amazing time. Absolutely. We had, uh, I mean, and during the week, too, we always got, uh, I would watch World Class as well, yeah. which at one point was another NWA group. Um, I'd rush home after school. Because it was on four o'clock every day on ESPN. It's 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 so funny the parallels I'm seeing here between us because same thing. My my brother knew how to record the VCR, so he would record uh, um, ESPN where we would get. Uh, we used to have the old AWA classics, and yep. then they would start showing. Um, they had world. Uh, maybe it wasn't world class, uh, but it was stuff from the Sportatorium. It was. Um, well, they went to USWA um, after. Uh, uh, world class, they would do out of the sportatorium until they went permanent to Memphis, and then um, Global was after that uh, out of the sportatorium. Global, that's yep. that's what I was watching was Global. Yeah, and uh, yep. yeah, so I mean, it's it's just kind of interesting, you know, two two guys living on two separate coasts but grew up with the same kind of childhood and have the same similar taste in wrestling. That's that's yep. what a dynamic, right? Absolutely. Um, so as it pertains to the NWA. Uh, you know, obviously, I feel like there's a big shift in the direction of the, where this company is going. Um, personally, I'm very excited about uh, where it's heading. I, I, you know, I, I was one of these guys who, despite what I've said about Nick Aldis in the past, I think Nick Aldis is a phenomenal athlete. I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think any wrestling promotion would be lucky to have him. And I feel like you are very much in that same boat, too that you do uh, admire Nick Aldis, correct? Yeah, I am ready to see what his next step is. Um, you know, I've heard some rumblings from 
somewhere, but I'm a, I have no idea if it's actually true or not. So I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen in the new year, you know, to see if whether he decides to go back to Impact, which I don't think he would uh, sign there, whether he decides to sign with AEW or WWE. I'm just really interested. I think anybody would be very lucky to have him, especially I think that how would he fit into the WWE mold really um, as his character? Or, or That's him. an interesting question, and I don't yeah. know that as he is right now. I don't. You can't bring in a guy like him. Um, I, I don't. I don't believe you could bring in a guy like Nick Aldis, and he could still stay the Nick Aldis he was in the NWA. Correct. Obviously, he has got um, that character had to grow into that role. You know, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't the national treasure overnight. For even for the NWA, I mean, he had to prove himself to get to that point. So I imagine anywhere he goes, they're going to have to do something similar where he's going to just have to grow into that role. Yeah. But, but real quick, I did see something today, and I knew this was coming. I didn't know it was coming that fast, and I'm, I'm just free, feverishly trying to upload it now onto the screen. But, okay. uh, yeah, you want to know what's next for Nick Aldis? Okay. He's going to be wrestling in AAA this Thursday or uh, Friday night. And uh, that venue is uh, not unfamiliar to me. I've been to that uh the uh, municipal auditorium in Tijuana uh, on a handful of occasions. And Nick Aldis will be there with Bastia Seis. I see uh, Vikingo on that flyer. I see Willie Mack. Uh, I think I saw Black Taurus. Maybe I don't see Black Taurus. But as you can see, he's making that next step, man. He's making moves. He's already going to be in AAA. And that kicks off this Friday. Let's not forget, what was it, a week ago, he was in uh, the Ricky Steamboat match as well, which I – um took me completely by surprise. I actually, you know, did get that or ordered that event and watched it. I thought it was a very good event. And uh, to see him, I'm not going to lie, I did pop for that, uh, to see him come out <laughs> unexpectedly. Yeah, and I feel like I feel the same way. Again, like I, I did not watch that pay-per-view, but I was excited to hear that Aldous was on there. And again, yeah. even even after all the, uh, the chemistry and the uh, back and forth that uh, Nick Aldous and I had, uh, I still think uh, – very highly of him, even if he doesn't think very highly of me. And uh, I do, I do wish him all the success in the world. But I, I want to echo the sentiment that our, our friend Poyo Damar posted in the chat, and she, she said, everyone admires Nick Aldis. However, those who believe the NWA is a goner without him are off their rocker. And I, I firmly believe that I, I I've seen it reported, posted, shared on uh, TikTok, tw- not TikTok, excuse me, on Twitter on Facebook, on even on Instagram, that, oh, the NWA is going to be lost without Nick Aldis. Um, I don't believe that any one piece is greater than the whole. And although he'll be missed, um, I don't think this is the death knell for the NWA. What are your thoughts? I don't think the NWA is ever gone away, uh, is ever going to be uh, gone away. Just when people thought it was dead for the last, what, 30 years, you know, yeah. give or take, ever since, um, you know, uh, they left or WCW left the NWA. It's never gone away. It might have fizzled for a little bit. It's always fought. And I just think that with the roster that they have now, they have an amazing roster. They really do. I broke the roster down uh, on an episode of PWZ that I did. And I even said, I said, there's so much that could be done with these guys. Just do it correctly. You know what I mean? There's so many great talents in that uh, organization right now. And again, that's another thing that uh, Poyo posted in the chat on. Poyo's great. I love mm-hmm. Poyo. She's always welcome to jump on these podcasts. One of these days, I'm just going to have her on and talk to her. But, I had to, uh, she, she always jumps in the right. chat and has some great um, insight. She says, at the most recent set of NWA tapings, we had easily half a dozen guys who could be the world title contender, serious ones, within six months. 
And I mean, I, I would even say there's probably more than that. Yeah. If you give me six months, there's about 10 guys in the NWA right now that I think you could really, if, if done correctly, if done mm-hmm. correctly, could be legitimate challengers that people would want to see take the title off of Tyrus. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of, like I said, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that have been experienced for quite some time that, that could. Um, it's just a very interesting time with putting the uh, title on Tyrus. I wasn't uh, behind it at first, but uh, after it happened, after a couple of weeks, I, I felt a little bit better about it, you know, and seeing his promos and, and such. Uh, I guess uh, they sold, he sold me. Yeah. You know, in, in a weird way, and I know our pal Willie's going to hate me for saying this, but he did it to me too. And, yeah. and I'll be the first one to admit, is Tyrus going to win any Meltzer Awards? No. Is he no. going to put on a five-star wrestling classic? No. But every time I see this guy with that belt and that smug look on his face and the fact that he can cut a promo that's just as good, if not better, than Nick Aldis, mm-hmm. oh, man, it drives me nuts. But that's what that's what they want. They want yeah. us. They don't want us to like you know, we're not supposed to like Tyrus. He's not yeah. our champion. We're supposed to hate him. We're supposed to, uh, to, to, to wish, well, maybe not wish death on him, but certainly <laughs> we want bad things to happen to him. We want him to lose the title. We want him to get down on his luck. That's, that's kind of like the epitome of pro wrestling is like, it's always better when there's a guy to cheer for and a guy to yeah. boo. And right. one of the, I think one of the drawbacks at the NWA just a few years ago was that there was varying levels of gray. Like you mm-hmm. could, you could hate Nick Aldis, but at the same time, you're like, well, that dude speaks the truth though. And everything right. he's saying, I agree with. And then you'd see another wrestler like Tom Latimer. And at the time where he was like the, uh, you know, kind of unhinged things he was saying weren't far off from being true. And it's like, you didn't have guys that you just loved and guys that you hated. You just had this gray scale and every, everyone was gray. So it was kind of hard to find like that, that rooting interest. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious as to see how this will go overall to see how he's going to. Is he going to draw a different audience in? That's the other big question with taking that title. Are people interested in watching National Wrestling Alliance that are on they're watching him on Fox News? That's the other thing. Has it improved the NWA at all? I don't I don't think so. To my knowledge, it has not. These are these are all questions that I guess this is where Billy's foot goes to the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Because. If you're banking on that Fox News um, support to help drive Tyrus, then you're going to find out immediately whether that's going to be um, accurate or not. They're going to do the live taping on January 23rd in in Knoxville, right? right. That's going to, you know, are people coming to, are they going to come to see that show? Is it going to change the dynamic of the show? Are they going to sell out? Remember mm-hmm. uh, when they went to the chase for the 73rd anniversary show, show people were buying tickets because they wanted to see trevor murdoch beat the shit out of nick aldis they wanted to see that title change hands is is tyrus on top going to be enough to get people to come to those to the shows and and not you know not just the fox news crowd but wrestling fans in general like i don't think billy's just trying to market to one audience i think he's trying to market to every audience and i think that's part of the reason why he's he sees that the the you know, no disrespect intended to anyone out there that takes it this way, but he's looking for the boomers to come yeah. support his product. He's looking for the people who are watching Fox News to come support his product. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want your money, Rick. And it doesn't mean yeah. he doesn't want my money. And and I think the people in the chat, he wants everybody's money. And he's trying to 
build a product that appeals to everybody. As he should. Like, you know, it's um professional wrestling has a thing for drawing people together, different kinds of people, different beliefs. You know what I mean? You go to the arena, that person across the room is gonna have different beliefs than you, but they the one thing that we all have in common is what's happening in the middle of the ring, the middle of the arena. And that's the that's the fun thing about professional wrestling. And Billy is uh, bringing that there with the National Wrestling Alliance, it seems, or, or attempting, I should say. Yeah, and 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 look, um, I don't want to get too invested in politics when we're talking about yeah. pro wrestling, but right, there's always been that great divide, and and yes. especially with the National Wrestling yeah. Alliance, um, if anyone who's been a fan of the product in the last twenty years, you know, knows that the you know certain wrestling promoters leaned one way, and certain wrestling promoters leaned another way, and it never really took away from the enjoyment of the program itself. Right. And if, if you could put politics aside and I, so for some people, they can't do that. And I understand that as well. And that's, that's okay. I mean, the thing about it, wrestling is supposed to be escapism. We're supposed to right. watch this and, right. and, and get the, you know, get, get the, 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 uh, melo, not melatonin. What's the word I'm looking for? We're supposed to get the good feeling, the serotonin. We're supposed yeah. to feel good watching pro wrestling. And then when we're done, we, you know, we boo at the TV, we cheer at the TV. We're done. We go back to our, our, you know, lives and, and and move forward and so i'm not yeah. going to get hung up on the politics involved with it um i don't necessarily agree with some of the things that uh tyrus has said i don't right. know that uh, again i don't know if that i would have made him the champion of you know the j cow wrestling promotion but i right. certainly can see where he could be beneficial in the long run to the nwa especially if he can keep getting that kind of heat that he's getting when he first arrived in that nwa i didn't think it was going to be uh this this long of a, of a tenure here yeah. in the NWA. I literally thought he was going to kind of like it, it had been for the last few years. They would, people would come in for a, like one or two TV tapings. Then they disappear and go back to wrestling here. Or some guys got signed yeah. uh, to different companies. So I literally just thought it was going to be, I mean, we're coming back or basically still in the middle of the pandemic when they came back. Correct. Yeah, uh, and yeah. he was, and he was brought in and then I think they did that empty uh, arena pay-per-view. And um, if I remember correct, right, yeah. um, I was not impressed. I was like, sheesh. And uh, I guess over time, you know, I was still while I still was not a fan of his, I could see how he uh, how things got built up a little bit. I got I got a little sick of seeing him with a TV title. Um, yeah. But over time, you know, it, it changed over time, especially I did not want to see him go for that uh, the, 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 the 10 pounds of gold. But. Now he's just adding something different to it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and Poyle's probably sick of hearing me say this, but I'm a huge Pope guy. I, I love what? that guy. Um, I think he's the guy that, uh, honestly, if I was building my company, he'd be the guy um, yeah. that would be there in that 10 pounds of gold picture. Um, obviously, he had a good a good run when the NWA came back. It was during the pandemic. Uh, he had won the TV title off of Zicky Dice at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, the primetime live series that they did with the NWA. Um, that's you know, that leveraged up the Pope. So when they came back, he was a champion and he was a fighting champion when he came back. He took on all comers, and it even felt like the program, it felt like power each and every single week was there to, to help bring in um, a little bit more advocacy for the Pope, like they were bringing in contenders right. to join in the competition. And I really felt like that was they they had some momentum there. And then and then you know you had a uh, you had Tyrus talking about the belt, and how much he wanted it. You're like, no, 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 keep him away from it. But he wins a title, and, and 
I honestly didn't have a problem with him as champion. I think the problem I had was the lack of urgency and the lack of uh, matches that he had while as while he was champion. And right. like you know, it took him a year and a half to get to seven title defenses. I think Pope had seven title defenses or five in the first two months they were back. That's what I thought was weird about the uh, uh, the title defense getting to seven because I was like, hasn't he reached seven at all? Like it was just, and then yeah, because he would come out and cut promos most weeks, you know. And uh, yeah, I guess you're right. He, did, he it took him that long to reach seven. <laughs> It was confusing, baffling, I guess, to, and, to why they would let that go that long. Yeah. Hey, Rick, we I, I brought Jaden on just because, um, of course, Jaden is always a part of the Alliance, guys. But mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to let, introduce you to Jaden and, and Jaden to you. Uh, Jaden, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rick Del Santo, but he is the head honcho at uh, Pro Wrestling's own podcast. And he covers a lot of the Northeastern wrestling. And uh, and we're trying to talk him into coming out to one of your Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiator events in the uh, spring. So. Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't own dog, but I definitely think Doctor Zaconian would appreciate it. Well, I, I yours as the collective, right? Like I would even say that it's Busky's Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiator event on uh, uh, it back in March. I think yeah. you just want to. I think you just want to say the word Busky personally. I, I I need to get a Busky shirt. That's what I need. I need to get in the gym so I can get Busky. Well, first you get the shirt, then you can get Busky. There it is. Uh, Boyle Demar says. Uh, uh, was there prestige to his reign as TV champion? I believe that is a question most viewers have. And uh, to that answer, no, <laughs> no, there wasn't prestige because as champion, as, as we're going back to um, Tyrus as TV champion, I mean, half the people he beat in his seven reigns, you know, seven victories to get to that world title match were guys in his own stable. And right. those matches weren't, you know, yeah. they weren't great. And, and, and with all due respect, him pinning Jordan Clearwater and and Black G's to get a victory for you know to, to get to that title match did nothing for me, especially when Jesus telling Clearwater lay down, lay down. No, it didn't do anything for him as a champion. I don't think that they did much with that reign. If you think about the the television title, like the history of the television title, it's supposed to be the Workman's title. It's supposed to be defended on a the television regularly, and. With him, like you said, it took him seven, or it took him a year and a half to reach seven um, uh, matches or whatever. So it just really did nothing for me if you if you think about the history of that title uh, as a whole. Poyo is officially uh, volunteering to produce the show because she wanted me, or excuse me, to direct the show uh, because she wanted me to make this point that she posted. In an odd way, I believe Nick Aldis leaving the NWA is a very good thing for the company overall. With Nick waiting in the wings, nobody could ever step into the top spots without direct comparison. Nick's departure opens up so many opportunities. And yes, for, for that, that makes for, sense. Yeah. For, for what Poyle said, there's 100% um, stock in that, right? Because yeah. it, we all said it here like, oh, well, you know. It, it's only a matter of time before all this is going to be back in the title picture. Hell, I, I, I was, I was disappointed at the 73rd anniversary when he lost and they they kind of were trying to write him out of storyline. Uh, they even had him attacked by strictly business. And within a, a few weeks, he was back on TV. And, and the silly thing is that because the TV tapings are all bunched together, I mean, he never really even missed any TV taping. He was there. Right. And so right. like, if, if you're watching it live, 
it, you know, if you're if you're at the tapings live, it just doesn't have a lot of consistency to it. I really felt like they should have left them off a whole a whole uh, cycle couple, of the tapings yeah. because then when he came back, it would have meant something. Instead, he came back and he never really left. He 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 got his vengeance on Strictly Business, and then he was supposed to be in a tag team that. You know, they were all ready for Crockett Cup, but then as soon as Murdoch dropped the title, oh, we need you back in the title picture, all this. And I think I think that was really um deflating for everyone. I think with that it. with that it really did nothing for me. I thought that it was just they weren't doing much with him, and then they threw it in there and it just wasn't convincing to me because it was like no build up to to that. Throwing him in there and then it just seemed like he was another guy who uh during that time period that was just doing stuff because he was part of the company. And and I think the the biggest crime of that is how good would a tag team with Nick Aldis and and uh Doug Williams have been? You know, yep. British Invasion held tag titles in the NW excuse me in uh Impact Wrestling. They held mm-hmm. the IWGP titles in Impact Wrestling. Um and and let's let's not forget too that Nick and Samoa Joe were a very good tag team. It's not like Nick couldn't be a tag team wrestler. They held the Pro Wrestling Noah tag team champions the the, the GHC titles. So I like I would have liked to see Nick Aldis take on a different role within the company. He still is there. He yeah. still is going to have those amazing promos. He still could have been the ambassador of the NWA, but he could have been in a role that would have been kind of where they needed him more at the time. Like the, the the tag team division I think right now is better than it's ever been. But when when they started announcing the Crockett Cup, I don't feel like it was a very strong tag team division. And having if you would have had him you know, uh, uh, Aldous and uh, and uh, Doug Williams is attacking the, the British invasion, and you still could bring in Harry Smith. You could have had Harry Smith come in to challenge Matt Cardona for the title. I think right. that would have been a better way to have gone. Yeah, I just I uh, agree with that. I think that Harry Smith would have been. They didn't really do a lot with him. He came in, won the title. Then did he do? Did he even do a TV taping? Yeah, maybe he, one. He had a few tapings. Yeah. He, he was at. He was at. Uh, Basically, he was there till the lead up to the seventy fifth. Mm-hmm. So, he right. did the tapings, um, and then uh, he wasn't there for the seven. Excuse me, seventy fourth. I said seventy fifth. And I thought that it was um, a shame that the, that that Nick and Doug just split yeah. very quickly because I was really looking forward to that and enjoying it. You know, so uh, with the launch of I think it was when the launch of USA happened and they were in there. That's when Williams came in and. Yeah. It was just sort of disappointing when that uh, all of a sudden that happened. Um, Poyo said, would Nick have been happy in that role, do you think? And I, I honestly think, yeah. I, Poyo, I think part of the reason why he left was that he didn't like the direction he was going in. Right. And if, 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 if we look at it on the surface, I think Nick does believe that he should be the world's champion. I don't – look, I can't speak to, to his personal psyche – because I've only said maybe ten words to him. I went. I went on a trip to China with that guy, and still only said about ten words to him. Everyone else on that trip was so accessible. Nick was still very standoffish, and that's that's fine. But um, I think that it had had he been put in that role, it would have given him something to focus on. And him and and Doug were very close. They could have had that. You know, they they look if they would have stayed as a tag team, theoretically they would have won the Crockett Cup. They would have beaten Mexico. Uh, uh, I almost said Mexico's most. La Rebellion. Yeah, La Rebellion. See, Bastia Cesar's father, Damien, was in a tag team called Mexico's Most Wanted, and that's where my brain went. Uh, if you would have had, if you would have had uh, 
La Rebellion versus Doug Williams and Nick Aldis and the British Invasion go over. I think that would have been a very good role for Nick. I think he would have had a lot of fun with that. And you could have kept him in at bay. You could have kept him in that tag team championship role for some time. Again, you could have had them feud with the Briscoes. You could have had them feud with OGK. You could have had them feud with the Hawkari. And, and eventually, you know, dropping the titles to one of those teams. And then and then you would have been able to move in that positive direction with Nick getting, uh, you know, once they lost the titles, then he could refocus, rededicate, and, and go on the path to the world title again. Right. <laughs> Poyo sees thing sees it differently, and that's cool. I, look, Poyo, I'm not the biggest Nick Aldis fan in the world uh, as a person. Uh, me and him don't see eye to eye on anything, but I I, I do believe that would have uh, that's that's where I think he could have been. I think he would have been um, satisfied, content. But um, I, anyways, I think uh, so. We're in this turning point in the world of the NWA. Nick Aldis is gone. So he he can't rescue you anymore. If if Tyrus's reign starts to dwindle, starts to suck, if everyone who says they're going to cancel their membership and stop watching the NWA and stop attending the live events, if they really follow through with that, then it's going to force Billy's hand to do something different. And and it's it, 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 it at least will push him to make a decision on you know giving one of these six to ten opportunities to somebody else. How many times have people said that about, say, the WWE or whatever, and that, that they didn't like the direction that they were going to stop watching it? They're still have millions of uh, viewers each and every week. You know what and, I mean? Yeah. And, and, and Jaden, you're you're quite familiar with the world of promoting and, and executing the storyline. And, you know, I know that uh, you help out with Dangerous General Wrestling Gladiators. When you see that there's a, a vacancy now when the top name leaves the territory, what does that do for the creator for the rest of the company? Uh, it does cause a lot of people to have to step up. The problem is there doesn't always sometimes what steps up isn't always in the same quality or caliber, or at least has the same, same ceiling. Uh, I use CM Punk as an example. Uh, CM Punk was drawing ratings, whatever he was backstage, whatever, you know, believe on whatever side you want to believe on. He was drawing ratings. He was drawing attendance, and they're not getting that now. Yes, somebody can step up right now. Um, MJF is trying to do such a thing, but the problem is, I don't think, I don't think there's enough support system around to be able to do that. And that's the same with the NWA. Nick Aldis, I don't want to call him the CM Punk of, of the NWA, but he was a very important and a vis- visible presence in the NWA. People associated the NWA with Nick Aldis as much as they do Billy Corgan. Right. And the thing is now, do they have the direction, the person in charge that could do something to be able to fill those voids? It's kind of like a hockey coach. The Colorado Avalanche is one of the best teams in the world right now. So great, so much talented. Unfortunately, three quarters of their roster has hurt. So they're playing with mostly an AHL team. Now they have a good coach that's able to get the most out of it. But some of those players are just not experienced enough, not ready, or not even up or NHL quality to be able to take that spot. That's what I think, unfortunately, the NWA is right now. They had one NHL-ready player, maybe a couple, but they've been filling a lot of roster with some AHL and some ECHL talent. So I think that's what, unfortunately, I don't think they have the both the coach and the general manager 
or the talent pool and depth of talent to be able to fill that void. See, this is where I think I might disagree with you um, because I, I look and I'm uh, Poyle said it. I'm super optimistic, right? I, uh, I look at this NWA roster and you're right. We don't have that name that has cemented its legacy to the NWA as much as Nick Aldis did. And that was by design, by the way. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, you know, they, they put him in front of Harley race and they put him in front of, you know, uh, 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 Dory Funk jr. And and what, what kills me is they keep, they keep talking about like, uh, how, uh, you know, how Harley race was so disgusted by the NWA. You know, it was, it was Dave Marquez who got that connection for the NWA to bring, uh, you know, Nick Aldis and, and the NWA around Harley. That was, that was Dave Marquez doing that, his personal relationship with Harley race. Uh, but you know, they had Dory Funk at the uh, 70, uh, 70th anniversary show. They brought in all the, the, uh, former living champions like uh, Colt Cabana. Obviously he was wrestling on the card, but he was there. Blue Demon Jr. They brought in, uh, you know, all these guys to kind of cement that legacy. Tim Storm was in the ring with them. Uh, Jack Stane was in the ring with them. Jeff Jarrett was there. And they were doing that to kind of show you like this match that Cody is your world champion. Nick Aldis is the challenger. This is significant. These are the legends that have held the title. I really feel like that was done intentionally. And, now that you're right that Nick Aldis is gone, there's no one that has that connection. But how hard would it be to make that connection? I mean, again, we have Jack Stane as a former world champion you on the roster. I'm not advocating for Tim Storm to come out of the booth and back into the ring, but he's still there. And and then you've got guys on the roster who have, you know, have really kind of grown leaps, leaps and bounds since this uh, since power kicked off. And I'm talking like Tom Latimer, uh, Chris Adonis, uh, you know, and, and then you're seeing new faces show up too. EC3. Um, I really feel like there's a lot of guys on that roster that could could jump into that role and, and play that uh, the, the same way that Nick Aldis did. Here's the thing. They've had months to try to make somebody, and they put all the attention to Tyrus. Um, is Tyrus in any way, shape, or form on Aldis's level, or is he perceived as a serious wrestler? If you can bring out... Uh, Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk and um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ronnie Garvin and anybody else who's uh, Tommy Rich, whoever else has been alive that's still NWA champion. Do any of them have enough rub to get all around that big, huge globe that is Tyrus? Um, did they, you could. That's great that they brought out the rub for for the NWA champion because that's what you should do. Right, but. You have to have somebody to be able to – you can only shine a turd so much. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, I want to point out something that uh, Dave Scooby said. I think it was pretty funny. Um, the NWA is similar to how Howard Stern was when he was on the radio. You watch, listen because you enjoy it or because you want to see, here the next thing that upsets you. That is that is so, so much truer than it should be. Because I know there's lots of people that are still hate watching the NWA. Um, half the time I'm hate watching the NWA because I hate what I'm watching. There's like I, I I do believe there's a lot of positive things that are happening there, but like like your point, uh, Jaden, there there hasn't been a lot of um, personal spotlighting for certain talents to step up. You're right. They they spent the last uh, you know uh, let's see. So Nick Aldis officially uh, advocated the NWA back in November. Um, the plan was that they were uh, Trevor Murdoch was your world's champion going into this November show. 
Um, they had Matt Cardona. They're shining up Matt Cardona. They're shining up Tyrus. They're shining up Trevor. Um, but they didn't really do a good job of signaling one person who will emerge as the guy that's going to take the title off of uh, Tyrus. You could shine up multiple people, but to be honest with you, are they even even shining them? Can you say Matt Cardona is better off now after working with the NWA than he was before he was working in the NWA? If anything, they, they took a, they took some of the luster off of them. Um, Tyrus is on TV with that TV belt. Now the world title, but has that really, have they really even capitalized on that? When was the last time NWA has shown footage of that on any of their broadcasts? Seriously, again, they're not really, they're give, even their opportunities are giving, talking on Busted Up Radio and stuff like that. It's all more about Billy Corgan about than anybody that's on the NWA roster. By the way, I take advantage of showing this photo every chance I get. Look at that smug little, that smug look on his face. I want to sock him. Uh, Rick, Rick, uh, you're on mute. What What do you think about what Jane said? I'm going to say about what he said about the, taking the luster off Matt Cardona. I think he's definitely, people have lost an interest in him since being part of the NWA. This is a guy that built up a huge following as part of, you know, through the internet uh, while he wasn't on WWE TV. And then he became an indie darling after his release. And now, after his NWA run, I have no interest whatsoever in seeing him, really. He hasn't done anything for me uh, the last couple months, or since he's come back, I guess, from the injury. So probably, what, a few, like maybe a month? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Poyo, I keep going to Poyo, guys, and it's not that I'm ignoring anyone else in the chat. I just I really like some of the things that she's writing right now. Uh, she says, Jaden is correct, but if that person they shine is not Tyrus, what if the NWA champs and legends shine the people who will challenge him and ultimately whoever defeats him? And I think that would be a great that would be a great idea, Poyo. I think the problem is, is as a fan, as the fan base, we haven't seen that yet. Like, yes, Austin Idols are uh, you know picking up uh, Scion, right? Scion's getting pushed by Austin Idol. Hey, he's the next great thing and all that. But we haven't seen someone like um, you know Tommy Rich come in and say, hey. You know what, kid? You got what it takes to be the next big thing in this company. You know, how cool would that have been to see Jordan Clearwater uh, backstage get pulled aside by Tommy Wildfire Ridge and said, hey, you know, this is your time. You have this is your shot, kid. You know, you win seven, six more matches and you can go win that title. I mean, that would have been pretty awesome. I think I would have popped for that. I think the main problem we're having right now is Poyo is not in charge of the NWA. <laughs> we're, we're working for it. Yeah. Do you think that it's time that they should try going with somebody younger to go for that NWA title, the the 10 pounds of gold, as opposed to taking just somebody that's well-known off of, say, WWE TV or uh, Fox News, for for instance? Just go for one of the younger talents. I do want to plug, because Poyle's going to be on Busted Open, like you were just talking about, uh, Jaden. and, and I'll be listening. I hope all you guys will be, too. And, and maybe, I don't know, Poyo, can you work in an Alliance blog plug? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, um, you know, she's going to be on with uh, Dave LaGreca and, of course, Thunder Rosa, our former NWA Women's World Champion. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of NWA talk. Hope you guys mm-hmm. will tune into that because, uh, again, Poyo's part of the family. She she spent some time on here and uh, – <laughs> 
I'm just getting to the comments, dude. It's been five minutes for God's sakes. Let all that shit play out. Well, sure, Poyle, but you got it. You, you're talking to a fan base, right? We're a little bit more rabid, right? The, 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 the 20 people in this chat right now are all listening to two guys, three guys who are not in the NWA, who are not paid by the NWA, who are not in any way endorsed by the NWA to talk about the NWA. I mean, we are, we are, that's, that's the fan base you're talking about. We're, we are a rabid fan base and things, <laughs> we want things now, not, not when they should happen. We want them right now. So that's the problem too. And, and we have to kind of be aware of that. Like, uh, yes, yes, we, we should be waiting. We should, but I also feel like we're headed in that right direction too, with this, the way the company's going, like this championship series, I think is a great reset for the NWA. And I don't mean a reset in like, uh, you know, turn it on, turn it back off, see if things work out better. But it gives them an opportunity to set up some new storylines. Obviously, there's these these relationships during the, the, the championship series are not long-term relationships. We know that from the last championship series. But it will put people in a position to challenge for titles. I mean, we saw... Throw Billy Silas probably have the match of his career in the NWA against Kratos. I, I mean, it was, I, I loved watching that match. And I, you know, I saw him uh, in, uh, in New Orleans. I saw him take on um, Odinson. They had a great match. I saw him wrestle Sion. They had a great match. But I think this match was kind of like a, hey, F you guys, I'm here. Look at me type moment for him. And I think uh, we need more talent to do that. The other problem is we have no confidence in the, uh, in the uh, tribal chief, if you will, there is no confidence that the direction is going to change in a positive because of previous history. Yeah. So that's part of the problem is we don't believe that it's going to happen or at least not positively. And, and like uh, Dave, going back to Matt Cardona, I want to point this out. Dave Scooby says Cardona is used to wrestling live events or an impact with monthly tapings. NWA just does too long on their tapings and can't adjust. If something isn't working out the way they wanted. And, and that's true. I mean, and that's kind of the bigger picture too. When you talk about the NWA, um, you know, I understand it's a financial issue because it's very easy to have all the talent come in for one or two days um, film all the matches you need and then send everyone on their way. But if, if they were able to do this on a monthly basis, right, it would keep the fans um, more connected with fresher content. You know, um, we had to pretend, we had to pretend when Matt Cardona was hurt that he was hurt or that he wasn't hurt. You know, we knew he was hurt. We knew he wasn't going to be able to defend that title. But for three weeks on television, we had to pretend like everything was fine. And uh, it, it's, it, you know, there was no easy way to, you know, uh, sidestep that. And it's just, it's one of those things where I think it's going to be, um, you, you know, uh, they need to, to kind of refresh. And, you know, the, the championship series is going to allow them to do that in that you're going to have these opportunities for these angles to happen, these storylines to develop. You know, hopefully Kratos is pissed off that he lost to, Silas, and, and maybe that comes down to a confrontation down the road. Maybe that turns into a feud. Uh, we, you know, we saw EC3 and Tom back in the ring again, so that just tells me that we're going to see some more of that going forward in 2023. But uh, there's a lot uh, of a lot of things that will happen, obviously, between now and then. Luthez uh, <laughs> has one, and I, I popped me. Corgan is hard to root for. His arrogance is palpable. 
I've been a fan of his since probably the early nineties, you know, and I'd have to say, yes, uh, you know, watching him in the wrestling world, as opposed to being a rock star, it's, it comes off as a completely different person than in, in the uh, music business type spot uh, on television. So it's somebody that I've uh, kind of lost that fan, uh, being a fan of, excuse me, I'm trying to think of how to say it, but uh, in the last like year, probably. There's two things it's that old. he said. There's two things that he said uh, within the last year that really rubbed me the wrong way. And he said, hey, you know, I walk into a boardroom where I talk, I walk into a room with these other wrestling promoters and I'm the biggest star in the room. And and I'm like, wait, <laughs> yes, but no, you're, you're not the biggest wrestling promoter in the room. And that's what you should be looking at this as, is an opportunity to work with people who are in a more higher leveraged place. Sure, your celebrity status, sure, you're a rock star. Look, you're probably going to go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about it. But, like, that has nothing to do with pro wrestling. That would be like uh, Jason Giambi walking into the world of pro wrestling and be like, hey, you know, I, I hit a lot of home runs. Let me book the wrestling show. I've got money. I can put on a wrestling show. Sure, all this is true. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be good at it. Just because you had success in a different part of your life doesn't mean that you're necessarily – uh, you know, I'm the biggest, you know, name in the room. That's irrelevant. And uh, that that arrogance, you're right, uh, uh, Luthes said that that arrogance really rubbed me the wrong way. And then the other thing that he said was shortly after uh, when he took Nick Aldis out of the title match, he said something like, you know, if you don't like the way that I book my shows and you don't have to watch. And I thought, that's a silly thing to say to a fan base who you're asking to pay $4.99 a month. And I get it. That's not a lot of money. But you're asking us to pay to watch your product, which we can even watch for free on YouTube if we want. That's that's a real silly uh, way to, to state things when you you desperately need as many eyeballs on your product as you can get. Yeah. Here's a thing for Elio Del Rick Del Santo. Um, when Billy Corgan's performing as Smashing Pumpkins lead singer, he's performing. Mm-hmm. That's what you're seeing. You're not seeing Billy Corgan, the person. And I think as the booker of the NWA... And as a person who's putting himself over at the detriment of his own product, sometimes I think you're seeing Billy Corgan, the person. Yeah, you're correct. Um, so let's see. Um, and then one more thing or two more things Poyo wrote that I thought were pretty uh, worth this, uh, posting. And the championship series will, and I would assume, start to build people who can then step into the title contention with guaranteed title shots down the road. Yeah, I mean, we saw that uh, again at the last uh, championship series because immediately we got Trevor Murdoch in the main event of the 73rd anniversary show, which where it's where he should have been anyways. It was convoluted booking to get him there, but this solidified it. Uh, but it also gave us Jack Stane's run as national champion when he was able to challenge, uh, when he's able to challenge uh, Anthony Mayweather after they lost, after he lost the match at uh, the Crockett Cup, he pulled out his opportunity. Rather, he beat up Mayweather after the match and then used his opportunity to cash in. And then we saw uh, Genocide use it in a failed attempt to win the tag titles with Taron Terrell. We saw Colby Carino in a failed attempt to win the junior heavyweight title. And, uh, of course, uh, that's how we got uh, Chelsea Green in the um, triple threat at Hard Times 3 as well. And uh, so, so, yeah, this does leverage the talent with these opportunities and hopefully we get those matches that will make sense down the road. And then, then Poyo says, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is thinking he's the end-all, be-all of wrestling these days. And 
Yes, I, I yes, but but you know, Freddie Prince also worked for the WWE for some time too. So I get it. You know, Billy worked for Impact. I get it. But you know, Freddie Prince was on the writing staff of uh, the WWE during some of its. Uh, uh, yeah, and he was a Scooby Doo. He was Scooby Doo, <laughs> and he does voices for Star Wars. Yeah. That's the, that's what I like him the most about him. Forget everything else. He did voices for Star Wars. Paladin wants to point out that uh, that, that MJF name dropped the NWA last night uh, and told Ricky Starks he was gonna skip him on the lake, send him back to Billy Corgan so he could wrestle matches on YouTube. How did you think about that? Or, like I I popped for it to be honest because number one. MJF, you're like the king of the world right now, and you're acknowledging the NWA. Number yeah, two, in a negative I, way. Sure, <laughs> you've got Tyrus as a world champion. The negative way is is gonna come, but you 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 lend credence to the NWA by even mentioning them, right? And then uh, and then Ricky Starks is there as a uh, you know, yeah, he was great in the NWA. Yeah, I would love to have him back. I uh, haven't watched that uh, AEW Dynamite last night as of uh, yet, but I think that they're trying to build him up there. It seems over the last, especially over like the last month or so, uh, from what I've seen. I haven't been keeping up on uh, Dynamite for for a little while now, but uh, yeah, it seems like they're trying to actually do something with him as opposed to just having him there. Poyle's throwing shade at MJF. He was mid in MLW. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he was a, he was. He was the second most exciting thing in a stable that he was in, right? Like uh, Hammerstone is, Hammerstone is a is a made man as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how he's still in MLW. I, I'm surprised that AEW or the WWE haven't made him an offer to get him on their programming. But it's uh, contracted. That's why. Yeah, but his contract was coming up, and and he re-signed as opposed to waiting for a, a better deal. Yeah, it's because he had to worry about Vince McMahon and what he's going to do, or. What Billy Corgan will put him on on Elevation Dark, um, you know, one of seventy four matches on Elevation Dark instead. Yeah, yeah. You get the paycheck, but are you really getting any kind of thing out of it? Look at Anthony Nice. Anthony Nice is so talented, so incredibly talented. What is he doing in in uh, AEW? Absolutely nothing. He probably would have been bleach highlighted in MLW. MLW doesn't do a lot right, but the one thing they do is they make stars. They make people want people want to care about. Look at um, Richard Holiday, and by the way, sending all the positive vibes to Richard Holiday right now. Absolutely. But uh, Richard Holiday was a Northeast guy who had a little bit of buzz, and all of a sudden MLW made him can't miss wrestling. He, like he's been in dog, he's been other places because he's very, very, very good, and it gets a spotlight on him. Hammerstone was used to be called what? Single H. He was thought of a Triple H ripoff <laughs> at one time. <laughs> now he's considered a big, huge thing. And 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 Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu was the forgotten Fatu. It's amazing that he's another guy that hasn't been brought up to the bigger organizations as well. Jacob Fatu. Because he doesn't get along with some people from California. That's partially why he's not in AEW. He doesn't like a lot of people from Cucamonga. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Well, but you know what the thing, but the thing about it is like, and Jacob Fatu, like he, he's, he's a real guy. Like he's a real, <laughs> he's a real dude. And, uh, 
you would think with the connection to the Samoan di- dynasty, I mean, he's he's got a pipeline to the WWE right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's he's not the Samoa Joe Samoan. He is he is a connected to that family. You would think that in a heartbeat they could bring him up and and hell put him in the Umaga role, bring him in and just let him be a Samoan bulldozer like he, like Umaga was. No, they just choose not to use him, and I, that that always baffles me. Uh, I agree. I with think you it's guys. his criminal record, unfortunately. Why? Sure, I believe I believe that's true as well. That he has, mean, he has a past. Yeah, Booker T has a criminal record. Yeah, yeah. Booker T had Booker T had years of WCW pushing him over, and Steve Austin didn't get his real true criminal record until after he was a major star in the WWE. This is true. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm just reading some more uh, Poyle's comments because I, I just have to keep throwing them up there. It's not to it's not intentional to trash MLW because I enjoy their character work, but how very dare you? Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna bring somebody on who I wasn't expecting to see tonight. I must be a board, uh, Mr. DKM. I thought you were on the hiatus, I thought you were in uh, in Belize. What's going on? Well, as you can see, I'm not in my normal spot, and so I am kind of out and about. Got a lot going on in my life right now, for those of you who don't know. That's why I'm not here for December. I will be back in January, so you all get to hear me bitch about things then. But I actually had a question that I wanted you guys to answer since I have you on while I'm getting some stuff done here at the house. Athena, the former Ember Moon made a comment that she felt there was kind of a double standard when it came to men women's wrestling as her and a worker kind of got in trouble for getting really stiff in a dark or dark elevation or rampage. You know, one of the shows nobody watches. (laughs) And uh, she said that when men put on stiff matches, when you get your, you know, Walter versus Dragunov or Gunther versus Sheamus or, uh, you know, heck, in the NWA, I'll even put in there Tyrus and uh, Murdoch. And, uh, Murdoch. Yeah. You know, had a you know, hell of a stiff match. She goes, that gets universally praised. So she, she goes, but when two women do it, and she kind of alluded to the fact that Thunder Rosa, who also is known to work snug, as Gary Hart would call it, you know, they tend to get in trouble for doing that. So I got to drop because I got to go back to doing some work. The guest bathroom almost done. And, but I'll have you guys on the background. I want to hear your thoughts on that, especially Mr. Uh, Jaden and Mr. Uh, Del Santo. Well, I'm going to start with that one because I'll tell you exactly why. Because there's a difference between Gunter and Seamus being stiff and the worst that happens is a bruised up chest and a bloody lip and wrestlers being stiff because they're actually dangerous. And Athena tends to have a reputation, whether it's deserved or not, to be very dangerous in the ring. So people unfortunately can't separate the dangerous Athena with the intentionally stiff Athena. And that's probably where the standard came from. And unfortunately, it's not the old days where wrestlers were stiff with each other all the time as they hit each other in really safe places. Now at times, if a wrestler is stiff, especially a women's wrestler, they consider having a bad attitude. And it is kind of a double standard on that. 
But a lot of women wrestlers are stiff is because the other women wrestlers just can't handle it. They don't have the physical body to be able to take some of that damage and or they assume that somebody's out to try to hurt them. And, and sometimes it might be true, but that's where the double standard comes from. What do you think? What do you think, Rick? I do agree with that, that it seems like it's just a, it might be just a different era where that wasn't the norm back in the day. I guess you would say we didn't see a lot of this stuff happen. I guess a few years ago. Now it's a lot of this stuff is just people are, it's just happening on, on the regular, I guess. And people are getting hurt, especially over, I, I don't want to say that it's a regular thing in AEW because that's a lot of thing that people like to make fun of, but I don't really have much of an, you know, it's just, I don't have much else of an opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think Medusa. you're right. Though. Yeah. I Ask mean, Medusa. People, Sherry Montel was stiff as hell with her, beat the crap yeah. out of her, but did it in a safe kind of way. And that's just how Sherry Montel worked. Cause Sherry Martel was one of the boys. And if you go certain places, this is kind of in the norm, you know, uh, you watch stuff out of like Japan. It's a little bit more aggressive than it is over here. You know? Yeah. I, I I'm going to say it's this man. It is a double standard and, and it, yeah. It's always going to be a double standard because um, I feel like women's wrestling in the United States hasn't been taken really seriously, you know, for maybe the last 10 years, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like in some regards, there's a, there's a portion of the fan base that'd be very happy just for them to go back to bra and panty matches. Uh, I don't know that they're comfortable with that level of violence in women's wrestling. Like, you know, being on the indies, being a fan of the indies, you get, I've seen some really hardcore women's wrestling matches. I've seen intergender wrestling matches. And even, you know, one of my favorite people this entire planet is Ruby Rays. And, you know, I watched her wrestle Willie Mack, and they beat the shit out of each other. And I watched her wrestle Bad Dude Tito, and they beat the shit out of each other. And I got to be honest, it made me uncomfortable at times. But that's that's kind of what it is, you know. And, and I think as a society um, in, a, in a weird way, as men, we kind of like, Hey, we want to protect our women. We don't want to see them get hurt. But at the same time, like this is a combat sport. It's different. And so there is, I, I do feel like there's a double standard and I don't think it'll be around forever, but I think it is right now. And, and the more we are um, indoctrinated into a style of wrestling that is not, you know, pillow fighting or, you know, a puppies match or whatever, I think when it's legitimately taken as a sport, you know, the way that, you know, uh, Charlotte Flair and uh, uh, Soraya, I always have a trouble with her name, Soraya and Becky Lynch. And the more we see of that and the Thunder Rosas of the world and the Dr. Britt Bakers, when when we see Donna, Deanna Perrazzo, I could keep going on and on. I think that it's going to change the directive of the direction of women's wrestling and such that we're not going to think of it as an afterthought, but it's going to be just, it's just pro wrestling. It's not women's wrestling. It's not men's wrestling. It's just pro wrestling. And when we get to that point, I think we will like, wow, that was really badass the way that they were very, you know, those, those chops left marks on her chest or she really knocked her out with that one. I, I think it'll change. I just don't think we're there yet. I do cringe at sometimes when things are a little bit uh, too aggressive as watching it. It's just a little bit dumb. Obviously, you don't watch this. I mean, it is a combat sport, but you don't want to watch people breaking their neck. And it can happen in a women's match or no. uh, any kind of match. And one of the things I don't really particularly care for, I don't care for at all, actually, is uh, intergender wrestling. Yeah. That's one thing that 
I've never been uh, attracted to. I know some people that are huge fans of it, but uh, you know, it just reminds me of things I just don't want to be reminded of. You know? Yeah. You know, and and, and uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm not a huge fan of it either. Um, it's funny because some of my favorite people are. That's what they do. Uh, Ray's her name is literally the equal opportunity ass kicker, and she'll go out there and, and get bloodied up wrestling bad dude Tito. And I know Tito's a bad dude. Guys wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling, she's tough. I hate to see it, but I get it. Uh, it's not my particular cup of tea either, but um, you know, I also understand that it's her choice. She also wants a stiffer level of competition, she wants to be pushed to her, you know, to, to her. What's what I'm looking for? She wants to be pushed to her most competitive as well. So right. for that, I respect it. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I, I can respect it. Um, but like, there's there's women out there that that uh, you know, when you look at, uh, uh, well, you look at our champion, right? You look at Camille. Are yeah. you telling me that Camille can beat half the dudes on the roster? <laughs> I mean, she's she's a she's a beast. Yeah, and, and you know. If I saw Camille in the ring against Mims, you know who I'm going to say is going to win that match is Camille. And that's not a shot at Mims. It just means Camille's a beast. Yeah. I, I just, it's just something that I don't like to, 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 to see. It's usually something I just, if there's an intergender match on a show, I don't either watch the show or go to the show or what have you. It's just, that's just something I don't want to see people promote. Yeah. And, and I get that as well. I get it. And, and again, yeah. That's the thing, too, is like when we talk about pro wrestling, there is so many different styles of wrestling that if it's something that doesn't speak to you, you're more than welcome to try a different flavor. And there, there's so many flavors out there. Like, you know, I always hear people talk about like uh, Kenny Omega and mm-hmm. the stuff that he used to do in DDT wrestling. And it's not my cup of tea either. I, I don't need to see somebody wrestling a broomstick or a blow up doll or anything else or child. <laughs> That's not for me to watch, but I would certainly love to watch him and Okada wrestle in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, um, you know, and, and and that's the thing. Like, you know, I was I was a huge Joey Ryan fan when he was Joey Ryan, the wrestler, the you know, the babyface in peril, um, and his style of wrestling was more akin to like um, like a like a. I don't know. I, I can't come up with a great comparison right now. Before he kind of transitioned into the heel, and then it all became shtick with him. And uh, you know, I know he's was shunned by the world of professional professional wrestling, but there was a point in time where he was a very good pro wrestler, and he told a story in the ring that didn't involve anything with his genitalia. As soon as that happened, I was like, "All right, turn the channel. I'm done with this guy too." He's another one that I, I I see that he can have really great matches, and I think that he does have really great matches. Just some yeah. of that earlier stuff, like you said in DDT and that comedy stuff, it's not for me. But the the whole thing with professional wrestling is it's a variety show. You know, you can have a show. You can't just have a show of all the same type of matches. You got to appeal to everybody with various different styles. Yeah, you don't have to appeal to everybody. You have to appeal to an right. audience that's going to come see you. That's yeah. just it. That's why wrestling was always a territorial thing because you couldn't appeal. You couldn't put a Bruno San Martino match on in Memphis because nobody would, they'd boo it out of the building. You didn't have, you had variety, you had um, interest, but it was always in a certain vein. And going right. back to the certain flavors, Jay, I have a question for you. Somebody took a spoon and dipped it in dog crap. Would you still eat vanilla ice cream with it even if they washed it off? That's uh, the problem when you get these. 
these wrestlers that are doing the dog crap is when they get put into a, something that's not, you still have that stink on that spoon. No matter how much you wash it, it's still been covered in dog crap. Well, okay, but it, that's fair. But every fork in every restaurant you've ever been to has been in a hundred different people's mouths. You still it's true. Fork. I know a lot of girls have done that way too, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it doesn't mean I want to have my mouth on all them either. No, I, but look, I and I get it, but like that's the thing too. I also believe in uh, redemption. I believe in in uh, opportunity to redeem yourself. And you know, again, somebody like Kenny Omega. And this isn't a Kenny Omega show. It's not an AEW show. It's an NWA podcast. But somebody like Kenny Omega, who did everything he could to get a spotlight on him. And once he got that spotlight on him, his wrestling evolved. And as Poyo said here, for wrestlers, it's either evolve or die. Um, you do what you have to to get noticed. And then you do what you want to do once you get to that spotlight. Um, I, I agree, Jaden. Like, it's not all for me either. Like, I, I XPW is a wrestling promotion that was in my backyard. It's It's back now. I don't make any plans on going to any XPW shows unless maybe Scion ends up there defending the national championship. But, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks. And, uh, you know, that's all I can say. Like, I I, uh, I don't advocate for intergender wrestling, but if, if that's what a talent wants to do, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't uh, disqualify them for that if they enjoy doing comedy spots in wrestling. Again, I don't disqualify them for that. But for me, I'd rather see a straight-up pro wrestling match with, with people who can cut promos, but they don't have to be, like, uh, actors, right? Um, but I want to see something competitive. It doesn't necessarily – like, my idea of pro wrestling, the perfect style of pro wrestling is basically the WCW Cruiserweight division in, in 1998. That, was, to me, was the best pro wrestling I ever watched. But that doesn't mean that all pro wrestling has to be like that, right? No, but it still has to be within, again, a certain vein. And a lot of people who watch the WWE could put a AAA match and they would just sit on their hands and do not, make no reaction whatsoever. Rey Mysterio is always a special case when it comes to certain things, but there's a lot of fans of if you, you're not going to put a country song in the middle of a heavy metal concert. Just because there's country fans, and there might be one or two country fans at a heavy metal concert, people come to see a certain type of music. Well, and it's especially about evolution. Here's the thing about evolution. Only about 0.01% of evolution is actually positive. Most of evolution causes problems. Cancer is a part of an evolutionary trait. Would you want cancer? <laughs> That's a loaded question, friend. Nobody wants cancer. No. Hell, my birth sign's cancer. Nobody wants me. <laughs> but... um Seriously, all that stuff, only 0.01% of, of evolution is actually beneficial. The rest is just something that happened during the genetic change. So just because somebody evolved doesn't mean they're not a cancer. Doesn't mean they're good for the business. Uh, Poyo wants to point out the fact that your walking is an evolutionary trait. You could still be wallowing in a puddle. Yeah, but I could still swim. Yeah. And that, that, and that, that mutation... A lot of things happened during those mutations where somebody people, they, they were other evolutionary things that didn't work out and the things didn't survive and weren't able to, to grow. Some evolution traits, like I said, 0 0.01 is the evolution traits of things that are beneficial. That means 0.99.99% of them are not. You darn dirty knuckle tracker. <laughs> <laughs> That's, see, that's why Poyle will always be the best. Poyle, thank you for the levity. 
I did not think we'd be talking about evolutionary traits on this episode. And Rick, I appreciate you rolling with the punches, brother. Uh, I do want to talk about what we watched tonight, the or I guess Tuesday night, uh, the uh, championship series. Now, Jane, I know you didn't watch the show, but maybe you could uh, give us some of your opinions based on what you heard. That's kind of what we've been doing in the last couple of months here on this show. As, as Jane, again, is helps out with Dangerous General Wrestling Gladiators, has an experience in the background of professional wrestling. Hell, Jane, did you even wrestle at one point? I wrestled. I was a manager. I was a commentator. I was a very bad referee. <laughs> I, I, sold pro- I wrote and sold programs, wrote for programs and sold them. Um, I've been stuff on behind the scenes. I've helped with wrestlers and development. I've done interviewing. I've done both play-by-play and a color commentary. Um, I even popped the popcorn once. They don't let you do that anymore because you burned it. No, that's not true. I just covered it with too much salt. Uh, <laughs> I am a little salty at times. You, you were just trying to get them to buy more sodas. That's exactly why. I charged. <laughs> I gave the popcorn away for free and charged $9 for the sodas. <laughs> Are you done dirty, knuckle dragger? Um, okay, so real quick, I do want to point out that uh, this week has been a very busy week here at the Alliance blog. And I do want to say that I do appreciate that our, our pal Vinny Berry was on uh, yesterday with me in the sessions. We did talk about his new book, Wrestleville um, with a bunch of great stories with some of the, your favorite wrestlers like Thunder Rosa, like jazz, like uh, Congo Khan, like your pal Sal. And uh, there's a lot of great uh, stories in there. Uh, I just started into mine. I know uh, Rick has the same book that I have. Um, this is the third uh, or the second in a series in the third book that our pal Vinny wrote. Um, I want to recommend everyone go to wrestleville.com to check this book out uh, again, because it helps not only for these stories to continue to come out, but uh, it's helping supporting uh, somebody who's really d- using his resources to uh, document the history of pro wrestling. And that's something I can get behind. Rick, what did you think of the book? I know you- I thought it was uh, amazing. I, um, yeah, I got mine probably over a week ago and immediately read it through the entire evening, read the whole book. And uh, <laughs> so um, he, uh, if I can do a quick plug, if you don't mind, yeah, Vinny absolutely. will be appearing on my podcast in the somewhat near future. Uh, we just haven't set a date yet. This will be his third appearance. Um, he was on um, for, for the both of his uh, previous books, the Lance Von Eric book, which I absolutely loved. And then the uh, Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1. I think some of the stories in this book are fantastic. Um, of course, there's one uh, that I went immediately to was a good friend of mine, uh, former uh, Mario Mancini. Uh, so that one I read uh, immediately, and I provided, you know, I hooked him up with that uh, with Mario, and um, so I thought it was just a very very good story. Uh, and some of the stories in the book are just awesome. So I, I highly recommend that everybody goes out and gets this book or goes online and uh, gets this book. Um, just come with an autograph, Jay. Yeah. Uh, who did uh, who did you get? What random photo- autograph? Can you see who that is? No, um, is it Ricky Morton? Close. I can't see. Oh, Carrie Morton. Okay, there you go. So I got okay. I got Carrie, and uh, you know, and the thing about it, which I think is kind of cool, is so Carrie Morton's in here, and we said Thunder Rosa. I also saw that the Maestro was in here. Um, in the uh, previous edition, he had interviewed. Oh, oh also Sour Naro's in here. In the previous edition, he had talked to Tim Storm. He had talked to uh, 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 
uh, Ricky Morton. He had talked to uh, a lot, basically a lot of guys who I've spoken to over the years about pro wrestling. And so for fans of the NWA, which this that's what this podcast is, there's a lot of stories about guys who are the past, present, and future of the National Wrestling Alliance. Um, in this book, he talks to Bobby Eaton. He, he spoke to Jazz, uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Ricky, or Kerry Morton. In the last book, he talked to um, uh, James Beard. He talked to Tim Storm. He talked to uh, Damian Wayne, uh, Hot Stuff Hernandez. Uh, you know, Har- Harley Race, uh, C.W. Anderson. I mean, there's a lot of guys who um, were connected to, again, the NWA in these books. So if you're a fan of the NWA, you, you really should. Ch- oh, I'm a lot of focus, aren't I? You really should check it out. I-, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And check out his podcast. He has some like a weekly podcast that comes out. I think his newest episode, if I believe it, uh, if I remember correctly, it's PCO is his newest episode. Yeah, I just saw that. He just sent yeah. me the link yesterday. Yeah. And and again, he's a good guy. And yep. I'll be honest, that dude's an inspiration to me because uh, as as Jaden knows, Jaden's known me for almost 20 years now. I've always talked about writing a book about wrestling, and, and I, I'm getting closer to doing it. And every time I see uh, Vinny come out with a new issue, I'm like, I, I could do that. I could do that. So who knows? Maybe your boy Jay will write a book in the next year. There you go. We just have to make sure we got a good editor that takes all those extra ends out of everybody's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to have you edit it, Jaden. Oh, great. You're in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I also wanted to point out that uh, we had uh, Mr. Danny Limelight on the podcast. Uh, Danny Limelight is actually taking on the NWA television champion this Sunday, but it won't be for the NWA TV title. It'll be for the United Wrestling Network World championship and that's going to take place in Irvine this Sunday and uh, you know Danny Limelight has slowly emerged as the face of the United Wrestling Network the fans in Irvine absolutely adore this kid Um, he's a former uh, Marine uh, drill instructor turned pro wrestler he went he uh, he he said it uh, and I'm I'm paraphrasing him he said he went from the uh, from the street lights to the the spotlight and uh, that kid is has really impressed me. His growth and maturation in world of pro wrestling. He's now held titles in MLW in Puerto Rico and, and of course in Hollywood. And uh, he's stepping up for that big title. So uh, guys, make sure you check that out if you're here. Oh, see, and now Tim is Tim is egging me on to the Wilderness Years. That that's the book that I, I really want to write. Maybe we'll get to that one of these days. Uh, James from Dan Severn to from oh, no, Dan Severn to Cahagas. No, we would go. <laughs> we would go to. We would go uh, uh, from, literally from Chris Candido, to. Uh, no, we would even include Shane Douglas. We'd, we'd go from uh, ninety three to, what uh, two thousand when Impact bought it, right? Or not bought it, but uh, excuse me, licensed the name. Associated, yeah. I, I should see uh, that the Wilners are yours. <laughs> I did see Dan uh, Severn in 1995 defend the title in, uh, at a Tommy Fierro show in New Jersey. Yeah, oh. yeah. I drove all the way up there from Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it you was. Know, uh, it was headlined by Terry Funk and Abdul the Butcher. That show. What the? So, f- that's that yeah. sounds like a crazy show. It was a really great, great show. They uh, he used to book some really crazy shows and. Uh, if you remember during the pandemic, if you if you check it out, he started booking shows again out in uh, Jersey. So uh, a lot of them end up on um, uh, the YouTube now. So and he's got his uh, he's about to make a television announcement for for his series. So check that out if you keep an eye out. 
He also has a a um, a wrestling store. I believe it's yeah. called the. Yeah, the I believe it's the wrestling superstore or something yeah. like that. The wrestling collector. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he is a a protege of Dennis Carluzzo. I was going to mm-hmm. say, it sounds like a Carluzzo. Yeah, yeah, he's a protege of Dennis Carluzzo. He's promoted Jersey for a while. Took some time <laughs> off. Started running again. ISPW was is his company, was and is his company. Yep. Uh, you might recognize some names who worked there, like main event Michael Mars, um, Sal Sincere, uh, Nikos Rikos, a lot of people who come you might know from Danger Drone Wrestling Gladiators also work for ISPW. Okay. And uh, they're a good company up there. Uh, I just wish they didn't use some of the guy one of the guys that I'm not a big fan of, but Otherwise, you know, their companies they got a lot, a lot of talented wrestlers. They bring in people from all over. They have, I think, Maven. You remember Maven from the WWE? Oh yeah, yeah. He works with them. Danny Doring, um, like I said, a whole bunch of wide variety of wrestling talent. Tito Santana's their commissioner. This this is the same promotion that, uh, and not that everything ties back into Busted Open Radio, but Dave LaGreca has been on a couple of their shows as well. Correct. Yep. Yeah, I believe so. You know, Rick, that from that North Jersey event, the Glassboro, New Jersey, is not that much further. I think you should come down and check out a Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiator, maybe in March, maybe in April. And uh, uh, go ahead. And, and you should come down and hang around with Jay and possibly DK. And I'll be there. You probably won't see me. I'll be doing so much stuff, you know, carrying the company on my back. <laughs> but like a camel. Yeah. <laughs> We well, were just talking like about a pack that, meal, uh, like the jackass that I am. But yeah, we were talking about that prior to the show starting. So I'm looking forward. To, uh, I, I think I'm going to make the trip up there. Um, I believe it was March. You said, Jay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think he, I, think I have a feeling you might see a former, a former wrestler who was once one of the top contenders to the NWA Championship. Somebody with a lot of dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators history might be there. I heard a rumor. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna message Casey Carlisle and I'm gonna ask her to come wrestle that night. Does that how do I'd love to see Casey again? I love Casey. Is that how it works? Do, can I just email wrestlers I want to see on your shows and tell them to go? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't. It's not my company. Second of all, dog doesn't run shows; they run events. <laughs> Excuse me. Can I? Can you give me a, a Dr. Lawrence Arconium number after the show so that I can give him a call? Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and then Dave Scooby points out, and I've oh geez, Dave, you you just answered a question that I've had in my head for so long. I've been trying to find those dates of when Severn was in in WLW because obviously that was back when the internet was in its infancy, and uh, the the title hadn't swapped back yet to uh, Impact Wrestling, but the title was taken off of uh, Hashimoto in Japan. Dan Severn had that title, and there was a small window there where he made some title defenses as world's champion in the United States, but it's not documented anywhere. So, Dave Scooby, go go search your wallet, see if you have an old ticket stub. I would love to know those dates of of, the, of those matches because uh, I knew that uh, that Dave had booked um, Severn, and in fact, in that 2099-2000 era, that's that's around the time that. Uh, you know, Dave Marquez has said that he had Tim Storm back when Tim Storm was like the outlaw Tim Storm, and he wrestled against Dan the Beast Severn in a NWA World's Heavyweight Championship match. I don't know if the footage exists anymore. I don't know if it, I think I it's would... on YouTube. I've seen it. Have you really? Was, yeah, it was. Uh, Storm was chubby, 
and yeah. had dark hair and kind of less of it. Like and uh, no, he and had had, dark hair just everywhere. He's he had a goatee and a ponytail. He looked yeah. like a kind of like a chubbier uh, black Jack Lanza. Yeah, I've seen it because I've even sent it to DK one time because DK and I went. DK and I were talking about it. If you see, you guys it, ever seen? Do you ever see him in traditional championship wrestling back then? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I used to wake up. It used to be on like five in the morning when I when I had my first child. We'd wake up when they were to feed them, and that was always on on the weekends. I was like, "What the hell is this show?" I I loved it, man. They had Ken Resnick, Chris Cruz, all those guys in there. Wasn't that also like with Matt Riviera and? Uh, I believe so. A lot of those, a lot of those guys, kind of came into power in the NWA in the Bruce Tharp era. Okay. With his airbrush duster, hell yeah. Oh yeah, that's yes. Dave Scooby. If you find out, let me know. Uh, Jaden, if you find that YouTube video, send it to me. Um, do all my hard work for me, guys. Thanks. <laughs> With that being said, let's talk a little bit about this show that happened on Tuesday night. And this is, you know, we're talking about they have this live show coming up on January the 23rd. Um, I believe these tapings that they did uh, on the um, this past weekend are going to lead us up to that live event on the 23rd. And the turnaround, this they haven't had a turnaround like this in a long time where they literally filmed on Monday and that show went up on the air on Tuesday on, on fight. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, I, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, the major companies do that on a quite regular basis. But, you know, this is the NWA. It's not, it's not uh, uh, you know, multi-billionaires uh, running the show. It's, it's a millionaire who, uh, you know, yeah. Anyways, um, so let's talk about the show. Um, this was the championship series. Again, uh, we see a returning Bully Ray back to the program. I kind of thought he was done, especially after some of the moves that he's been making in Impact Wrestling. Uh, we had another uh, EC3 back in the uh, NWA. Not that I was convinced he was leaving, but just good to see like some more star power associated. And um, I will say this. I was looking in the audience, and I saw a lot of familiar faces um, I know that the other Alliance guys brought up Blake Bulletproof Troop was in the crowd, but a, a face that I saw that I was very happy to see. I, I think it was her, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw La Rosa Negra in the crowd. Did 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 you see her, uh, Rick? Did you did you recognize? Uh, uh, no, I I didn't see uh, see that. No, she's a she's a former talent that used to work a lot with the uh, Ring Warriors based out in Florida. She was their champion for quite a long time. She's also the same personality that uh, had a uh, altercation with Tessa Blanchard that kind of uh, really put a black eye on Tessa Blanchard. Still that black eye, I think, continues to exist. But she's a tremendous wrestler, and she did a lot with the NWA territories during that Bruce Tharp era. I would love to see La Rosa Negra end up uh, working for the NWA. I think she would be a great addition to the roster. She challenged against the NWA then world's champion um, Casey Carlisle a couple different times, including for a Ring Warriors event and an NWA Coastal event. La Rosa Negra is very talented, very charismatic, and can dance better than Jay. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, that's that's. Although that's a very difficult task to do to be better than me, she certainly was uh, is a much better dancer than me. Uh, the paladin, um, the person that we're speaking of is is kind of uh, the proof that you're talking about. But anyways, let's get let's get to more of the show. Uh, again, it started off 
it started off pretty hot. I don't have the, the graphic for it, but we got uh, early on, we got the matchup between Bully Ray and uh, Bully Ray and uh, Odinson. Now, what I really liked about this, first of all, is um, Odinson, it felt like they were getting ready to push him um, with that feud with uh, Nick Aldis uh, towards the end of Aldis's time in the NWA. And I felt like that would have been a great place to put Odinson to help develop him, help him get over, help him, Learn to be a better pro wrestler by putting him in the ring with somebody who's, you know, one of the top guys. Putting him in the ring with Bully Ray, I felt like was an opportunity to put him in a match where he's facing somebody that's, you know, been there. You know, he world champion in Impact, multi-time tag team champion all over the world, former NWA world tag team champion. And this match was it was really good. Um I I would say that uh you know when I'm when I'm looking at the audience, like I said, uh, there's it's mostly made it's mostly made up of NWA talents and and people who are part of the uh, production. <coughs> One of the drawbacks, though, is they didn't really announce who the teams were in a formal way. They didn't really present it like uh, in the last championship series. They full on had a draft. That was a whole episode of Power. Was a draft. We didn't get that this time, uh, but we do know that Bully represents uh, Team Great which we find out is uh, Scion's team. And he takes on Odinson, who's a part of the team Fixers, which is Jay Bradley's team. Uh, I, I really feel like Bully Ray came into this match with his working boots. Uh, you know, he he's of that caliber that he could probably take a night off and nobody would really question it. But I, I felt like he went out there and put on a good match with Odinson. Um, Odinson, who, who, you know, by NWA standards, Bully Ray is kind of a big guy. There's not a lot of guys on the roster that uh, Odinson's been in the ring with that kind of rival bully race size, but he was able to muscle him around uh, much like a smaller man where, you know, bully's a big guy. Um, Odinson's moveset seemed to expand a little bit more in this match as well. You know, he, his, by default, he goes for that European uppercut. He has, or Asgardian uppercut. He can seemingly hit it from anywhere. Um, in this match though, he was forced to work a little bit different, um, do a, some different style of wrestling um, the match looked like it was about to be finished when um, Odinson hit his Asgardian pounce, and it looked like he finally was going to put Bully Ray down for the one, two, three. But the match ended in a time limit draw. Thus, uh, each team member was awarded two points. Rick, what did you think of this match? I thought this was a really good match, and it seems like they're really starting to showcase uh, Odinson quite a bit as of late, and um, maybe give him a little bit of a singles push. Like you said, they started it with uh, with all this, but uh, doesn't seem to have taken a step back without him missing, um, which is good. I'd like to see him go a little bit further, having a singles run. Um, I thought this was a very good, it was a nice, hard hitting match as well. Bully was Bully Ray, and. Uh, yeah, like I said, it was a lot of fun. Mike, one question is, um, is Perro done with the NWA you know, that you know of? They never really officially said he was done, right? The last time we saw him was Crockett Cup. Um, I know that uh, there was some extenuating circumstances during the Crockett Cup. Uh, I don't know if that negatively impacted Paro. I don't know if he asked for time away or if they just told him, hey, look, we're, we're not going to use you anymore. We, we see Odinson more as a singles wrestler. I don't know, but uh, it's a shame because I've seen Paro when he's engaged and, and Jake yeah. will, will say the same thing. Paro, when he's on it, is a beast. He's an absolute beast. I will say that he looked lost a lot in the NWA. He looked um, at sometimes he looked out of shape. 
Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know for sure what's going on with that, but uh, I, I, I was disappointed to see them not really achieve much success in the NWA. But I know Jaden was a big fan of their um, of their wrestling in all Japan. Jaden, what do you think about Paro? Do you think he's is he done with the NWA? I don't know. Um, one thing I noticed is after he got married, like a lot of men, unfortunately, he put a lot of extra weight on, and I think it hurt his mobility. Hey. It hurt his. Hey, take it easy, man. It hurt his mobility. I think it hurt his his marketability because the end in all Japan pro wrestling was great. I was a fan. I was pushing for them. I thought they would have been great future NWA tag team champions. I definitely think now. Odinson has broke out too much as a single star that even if they bring Odin, uh, Paro back, I think it'll be a step backwards for Odinson. Yeah, uh, Luthez kind of put, put, put it out very uh, bluntly. When he's lo- when he's loafing, he's awful. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I wanted Odinson to be amazing. I wanted Odinson, excuse me, I wanted Paro to be amazing. I had delusions of grandeur that Odinson could, I keep saying it, I had delusions of grandeur that Paro would be like the next Vader, and he could have been the next Vader, but uh, I just don't feel like he was there. I was more familiar with him uh, when they arrived as to in it, but I've, uh, you know, over time I've gotten really became a really big fan of Odinson. I think he's uh, he's improved since his uh, his arrival or since he's been here rather. And I thought they were a great team, like you said. I would have liked to have seen them as the NWA Tag Team Champions as well. Well, and, and there was a time where they had this really stellar division. I mean, it, before even La Rebellion got there, you had you had Stevens and Kratos, which was fine. Um, you know, it was a thrown-together tag team. It was – they needed to get the belts off of uh, Storm and uh, and Drake, and that was the only thing that they really had going on. Uh, they pushed them together as a tag team for too long, but then you had, uh, you had at the time um, Jack Stane and, and Jordan Clearwater – not Jordan Clearwater, excuse me, um, Anthony Mayweather – I don't know where that came from. You had uh, Jackson Mayweather. You had uh, Odinson and Paro. You had Hawk Ari. Um, you know, I feel like they could have done some things. They, they were teasing, like, uh, you know, you'd see Marche team with uh, Jordan Clearwater before they officially joined that stable. Um, I feel like they could have done some stuff with that, but they just never really did. NWA's uh, calling card, isn't it? Yeah, in some regards. In some regards, yeah. Uh, so that was a pretty good match. And, and so now we have our first kind of um, introduction to what the championship series is. Uh, let me see. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, now, I, I, you know, where this differs from the first championship series is there's going to be uh, eight teams as opposed to just the four. Um, each person on the winning team will get a shot at the NWA gold. No pun intended, Tim. Um, obviously the team with the most points at the end of the series will be considered the victors and to the victors goes the spoils submissions are valued at six points. So they put a priority on submission style of wrestling pinfalls are valued at five. A count out gives you two points, a draw nets, both members of the match, two points. And then a, this is where it gets a little wonky. If you are disqualified in the match, a, a, a small disqualification the opponent scores a point. If it's a severe disqualification and the opponent can't continue, then that opponent gets three points. So that's, I didn't like that. And it, that comes into play later, but 
not a bad set of rules. You're putting a premium on um, submission style of wrestling. Obviously, getting the win is where you need to be, but you could still gain if the, if your opponent tries to cheat. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so now we have the first score of the Team Great having two points and the Team Fixers having two points. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, then we get May in the back with G's and Tyrus. And uh, as it were, uh, Tyrus has his own team as well. Um, they don't do a whole lot of time talking about the team, though. The pair tell May that they're the most dominant group in the NWA. Uh, G's says that he could choose to challenge for the Junior Heavyweight Championship at any time. And then Tyrus threatens us that uh, him and G's could just team up and win the tag team titles anytime they want. Uh, it just continued the narrative of them searching out more and more gold. Uh, the promo wasn't all that great, but it wasn't terrible. What did you think about this one, Rick? I got to be honest with you. You're referring to EC3 and Tom Latimer. It's EC3 really, since he's, his arrival in the NWA does nothing for me. I think it's the whole bringing control your narrative in. Yeah. And teaming it with the NWA. Um I can't take it seriously. Um, and the feud between the two uh, just has really done nothing to me. And the match itself was all right. I think Tom Latimer is awesome. EC3 is, is is really good as well. But I just, this whole character, this version of EC3 is, is not doing anything for me. So I, I definitely would like them to break up this storyline. I, I yes. think like it's not doing anyone any favors. Um, right. And what Rick's talking about, guys, is in the in the next matchup we get uh, EC3, and this is a bit of the rematch from Hard Times Three. Now, at least in this match, they actually fought, and it wasn't just a bunch of talking. Um, Latimer represents Team Brickhouse. EC3 represents Team Tyrus. Um, EC3 was given a minor DQ for raking the eyes of Tom, so Latimer received a point. Now, this is where it gets confusing, especially because these convoluted scoring system. <clears throat> The, the rest of the match, Latimer's bothered by a lack of vision. He, he can't see, but the referee deems that that's that's reason he's still able to go, so they're going to let it go. This plays a role in later when Latimer locks in a crossface chicken wing on Tom, not, excuse me, on, uh, on EC3, and the referee is telling Tom to let go of the hold, but Tom can't see that, uh, that EC3 is on the ropes, so they end up disqualifying him for not breaking on the five count, which gives uh, the advantage to uh, EC3, which gives them the victory. And it, I just kind of felt like that, like the eye rake seemed more atrocious than holding on to the move past five. It certainly didn't prevent EC3 from continuing to wrestle. And they call the match. So Team Tyrus gets three points and Team Brickhouse gets one point. Um, Did I, he rake his ears too? Said it again. Yeah, right. It was, you know, the announcers try to sell it the way that they try to sell it, but uh, it just, this was a, you know, the, an extra convoluted, um, didn't need to try to go there. Uh, it just seems stupid. <laughs> to me, it just seems stupid. Um, these guys should just be able to wrestle and, and that would be enjoyable. Just have them wrestle, go out in the ring and fight. Um, and that they're not giving them that opportunity. I'm still here, guys. My battery just died. Excuse me for a second. It's the best Jay's looked all night. That's and that includes when he was blurry. <laughs> so, Rick, you watch this. Honest yes. opinion. Does the rules 
enhance this match in any way, shape, or form? Um, no. Is it just somebody trying to overcomplicate the wheel? To me, it's just <clears throat> there's just too many rules, and it's just to me, it's just it it comes off as being a little wonky. The whole entire I wouldn't say the whole entire thing, but the rule set and the uh, the point system just comes off as a little bit uh, annoying in a way because it just seems to be a little bit too much. It, uh, to be honest with you, as I was watching this, and I don't, don't know how old many of the, your viewers are, Jay, it reminded me of watching when as they were describing these rules as the AWA's Team <laughs> Challenge series. So, and that's the first thing I thought of, and I was like, oh, God. Like, so there, that's my thought on that. <laughs> The rules. I want to. I want to jump in the comments real quick because we kind of ignored them for a little bit. A jamming music man says, "How do you guys feel about Ninja Mac?" And I got to be honest, I'm not familiar with Ninja Mac. I've never. I've heard the name, but I don't know who that is. Um, if you have any suggestions, jamming music, send a, send me a link or something. I I'd love to check it out. I just don't know him. Uh, I've seen him a few times, I believe. Yeah. Any good? From what I've seen, yeah. I'd, I'd have to see more to, to actually make an actual comment. When, when someone says Ninja Mac, I think of Willie Mac, who I absolutely adore. Yeah. But, uh, I thought I'm, he was talking about um, I thought he was talking about the formerly known as Question Mark Mach 74. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. actually, no. Ninja Mac is wrestles for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I think he's their junior heavyweight champion. It's been a while. Um, he's an American, though. And it's always good to see a gaijin make it in Japan, especially all Japan is not so gaijin heavy as most other wrestling promotions. There's a lot more serious wrestling. Um, he's a good high flyer. He can probably be something the NWA can go after. Uh, yeah, have to deal I, with them. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, have they done the work for Ring of Honor, if I remember correctly? Or am I mistaken? Last time, I think. Towards the I end. Think, Maybe towards the end. I think he currently yeah. wrestles for Game Changer. It seems to be. Okay. I seem to remember somebody in New Jersey promoting him. It okay. has to be Game Changer because they're the only one that's, that's got a lot of money. Well, that's not true. There's money marks everywhere, but you know what I'm saying, right? Jammin Jammin says that he also uh, was trained by Booker T, so probably spent some time in reality of wrestling, right? And that he wrestles in pro wrestling Noah. Oh, maybe okay. it's Noah. I was thinking all Japan, but maybe it's Noah. All right. Um, so that's enough about Ninja Mac. I'll have to I'll have to look forward to what he what he does. Um, Luthes says, "Dear God, get Odinson a mouthpiece, though." Uh, I'm with you on that one. I feel like, um, you know, depending on what happens with Idol Mania Sports Management, depending on what Aaron Stevens is doing, you know, hell, even Poyo. Um, not not that Poyo's a bad manager or anything, but I would all three of those would be great candidates to be the the voice of your. Uh, Asgardian pro wrestler uh, Odinson, and Paladin says he needs to drop the Mad Max gimmick. In my opinion, I, I, the whole spray painting the face—I think it's silly. Um, I know that kind of separates him from everyone else, but I—I I, I don't see any value in it. I don't mind the gimmick itself, but like you said, the spray painting thing—that's the thing that I find kind of you know whatever. Like, why is this happening? Yeah, especially in the middle of the match, they try to make it sound like, "Oh, this is like a, <laughs> it, a potion." Like, like, yeah, like in combat, <laughs> fight, like a like in, in Mortal Kombat or something. Oh, this is like right. a, his power boost. Like that, those are called steroids, and they're not allowed in the wrestling. <laughs> um, they are very, very, very allowed in the wrestling business. 
I've been around it long enough. They're very, very, very allowed in the wrestling business. Uh, Willie Bowen says Freya the Slayer would be a great addition in the NWA, especially the women's division. Uh, you guys can see Freya the Slayer in Ohio Valley. She's uh, originally from Alaska, and the NWA audience was introduced to her back on that first season of Power when they introduced the Circled Squared series and had her in a match. I thought she was great. I, I really was hoping she'd get locked up, but uh, that didn't pan out. But I, I like her a lot. I think she would she would definitely be a different uh, look for the women's division. I think she'd, uh, you know, I, I'm almost positive she's bigger than um, than Camille. Like, not muscular-wise, but height-wise. Like, anyways, uh, and then Luthes says, convoluted Corgan trying to top himself. Yeah, the whole scoring thing on this is a little bit odd. I don't enjoy it. I wish it was more simple, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. J.H. Jackson said, speaking of Paro, he tweeted, <coughs> excuse me, he tweeted three hours ago, that he weighed in at the doctor's today at 3.15, and he shows the picture of himself in the tweet. Man, I hope that means good things for him. I you know, I wish nothing but the best for Paro, whether he's wrestling in the NBA or not. Uh, I have neglected Willie Bowen's joke of the day. I will neglect it no further. Team Cholesterol is Tyrus' team. I like that. Uh, Luthez in response I thought they were the Buffet Express. The buffet expert. that could work too. The yeah. Golden Corrals. Um, to answer to answer uh, Rick's question earlier, how old is our audience? Just slightly older than Dirt, on average. We got a couple of young guys in here. I know Paladin is a younger guy. Um, and by the way, a younger guy, he could be like he could be like twenty eight. He could be thirty six. I don't know. It's younger to me. Uh, let me see. I'm just trying to run through these because I want to get back to it. Uh, while he's, I love to say while he's looking it through, um, our our other compatriot DKM, he actually was one of the very few people that watched David versus Goliath. He was in that crowd. <laughs> Oddly enough, he was cheering for Goliath. <laughs> yes. Jamming uh, Music Man also asks, uh, "What do you guys think has been the best season of NWA Power?" First, and I'm thinking <laughs> the first season. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm going to agree with Jaden that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the first because it was uh, reminiscent of the wrestling that I grew up with. You know what I mean? There was just something, and they put their. I think they put their all into it. And they were coming off a lot of momentum too. Uh, yeah, and I, I felt yeah. like that they had a lot of um, good feelings. Uh, with, I can't remember the word. Uh, a lot of the positive uh, momentum, positive mental attitude. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Paladin says he's 39, and Paladin, I think, is one of the younger guys in the group. And 39 ain't that young. Uh, I like to think my knees say, uh, I think to think I'm young, but my knees say different. Luthez, you're all, I'd say you're only as old as you feel, and I'm like 907. <laughs> well, I, I've got this guy who's been helping me out with my uh, vitamins and stuff, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I've been stretching more. And so instead of feeling like 80, I'm starting to feel like 55, 56. Right. So, That's a uh, good difference. Once I, get to, once I get down to 40, I'll be happy. All right. Let's 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 jump back to the action. Some more matches. Uh, again, we just talked about the Tom Latimer and EC3. Again, I don't think we need to see that ever again. Um, the next matchup. Uh, um, oh, okay. This is the alternate match. And this was an elimination match featuring everyone's favorite Rolando, 
versus your pal, Sal, Anthony Andrews and Jeremiah Plunkett. Now, out of all those guys, Jeremiah Plunkett's my pal. But uh, Sal put us over, so I like Sal too. Um, it's Usually matches with Rolando are not my favorite matches. Believe it or not, I'm not a big Rolando fan. Uh, in the course of the match, he keeps saying that he's the biggest man in the NWA, and, and that gets tired. It was funny at first, but like, you know, Crash Holly called, he wants his gimmick back. Um, there's a spot that I, I thought was good. It's one of my favorite spots in this match, and I, I can't believe I had a favorite spot in this match. But uh, Andrews basically grabs Rolando in a wheelbarrow and uses him to hit uh, Jeremiah Plunkett in the face. I just love that smash. He used another man as a weapon. I'm always going to pop for that. Um, however, after that maneuver, all three men work together to pin Andrews with Rolando getting the credit for the pin. Uh, after that, uh, Plunkett takes control of the match. Uh, and until Sal connects with a uh, 619 or whatever area code Georgia is, uh, he puts uh, Jeremiah Plunkett in a figure four leg lock. And then Rolando pins Sal while in the figure four leg lock. And after that, uh, JP was slim pickings for Rolando. It's the first time anyone's called JP slim. And uh, now Rolando wins. He defeated all four opponents in this match. And uh, he now gets to choose which team he goes on. Uh, what, I thought what, Billy Corgan was in the big giants and big beefy wrestlers. Yeah. Is that being a little hypocritical? He must have a soft spot for Rolando because he keeps putting this guy in, in these matches and allows him to get over and i don't i don't get it but uh professor what do you think like you said it was funny at first now it's getting tired you know i could see this um it's a gimmick that can only go for so long you know and i think it's had had its time um i'm not a particular fan of uh, sorry about all the noise in the background if you guys are hearing noise we have visitors um you're good. But um, I'm not a fan of four-way matches either, you know, and Billy loves to put on multi-way matches. And I can tell you that there's been a couple episodes where there's like three of them, you know what I mean, on power. And it's just it, it, it's just uh, too much action going on at any time. As this match, it was okay. My question is, how come Jeremiah Plunkett hasn't gotten a bigger push here in the NWA? Because I'm a huge fan of that guy. I love that guy. Uh, I think he, it's because I think it's because Jay's a fan of him, and they don't push him because Jay likes him. You might be onto something. You might be onto something because, like, uh, we've been an advocate for Jeremiah Plunkett since he first walked into the power. You know, back in Atlanta when they first walked in, um, they used him as enhancement talent, and uh, you know, similarly, they used the same way uh, Sauer Naro, they used C.W. Anderson, used all these guys as enhancement dudes, and the difference between all those guys and Jeremiah Plunkett is that he actually had an opportunity to wrestle for the 10 pounds of gold against Satoshi Kojima uh, at NWA saw it was the same weekend that actually uh, uh, another uh, favorite of mine Damian Wayne got to challenge for the 10 pounds of gold uh, of course Kojima kept the title on both defenses but it was a big big moment for the NWA uh, especially saw that that was Jeremiah Plunkett's home promotion it was a really feel-good moment so Knowing all that and then seeing Jeremiah Plunkett return to the NWA with that history behind him, I, I of course, I'm going to root for that guy. And then <laughs> to, to put the icing on the cake, I got to meet him after the show at the Crockett Cup, and he's just one of the best dudes you'd ever meet. Um, he's definitely a guy you'd want to have a beer with and talk 
wrestling. But one thing he did say that kind of made me cry a little bit in my beer was he's like, hey, man, I've been listening to your podcast since I was in high school. And I said, what? What? <laughs> what? What did you just say to me? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, but, yeah, he's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think very highly of Jeremiah Plunkett. So maybe that's why he doesn't get the push. Um, that's why we I, don't see the Pope getting pushed anymore. Shit, you might be Start. on the Start talking about how much you like Tyrus, please. Well, I've I've already said that I think Tyrus is the right guy to be holding the belt right now. I've said that multiple times. I think. Uh, yeah, but you got to put him over and have him on your podcast so he can get jobs. Do you think you think Tyrus is going to come onto this podcast? Yes, he has the ego. Just tell him it's a right wing program program, and he'll show up. There you go. <laughs> if I connect, if I connect with him on Telegram, maybe he will. All right. That's more politics than I wanted to talk on the show tonight. Um, all right, so the next thing we get um, after that matchup is uh, we get uh, – I always want to call May Valentine Agent May because of stupid uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, May is in the back with the fixers. And uh, Bradley says that his team is the best ever assembled. And, and I don't know why he didn't go with calling himself Captain America. I mean, he's already got a, an American flag. He's the captain of this team. Uh, he holds a belt that's got the American flag on it. I mean, he should have been calling himself Captain America through this entire promo. Um, they mentioned that Captain J has the best team. They've got a Viking. Could have called him Thor. Uh, he says he's got he's hitting all the demographics. He's got a couple of broads, or you know, if you want to be PC, chicks. Um, he's got one that speaks Spanish in Marty Bell, and one that's a king, Kylan King. And then they have Rush Freeman, which very much felt like a uh, Dave Dahl joke to me. Um, so we have a good idea who the team fixers are uh, without really knowing for certain. But because, uh, again, they haven't officially said it. But, uh, yeah, they should have told me that Captain America thing. Uh, what did you think of this one, Rick? I thought it was great. I love the fixers, man. And uh, I think the Wrecking Ball's got great sense of humor. You know, and Jay's pretty good, too. And, uh, yeah, man, I loved it. It's just, they could go on forever. I'll sit there laughing. And see, and I know that this is a mixed topic because I know some of the guys in this in the chat right now are like, yeah, I'm over the fixers. I no. think it, when you use them the right way, and, like, this is one of the right ways, I think they could be fun. And I know Brad, uh, Wrecking Ball Ligurski kept wanting to say fixers rule, and, and Jay would have to calm him down. <laughs> no, not yet. We, we, we'll get to that. I thought it was a funny segment. I still think he should have called himself Captain America. And, and Jay, well, apparently he has he assembled some kind of Avengers team. It sounds like he's got a Thor. He's got a Black Widow. He's I don't know what to call Kylan, but still uh, he's got a, he's got an Avengers team going on. He assembled them. She's she's like a freaking Wonder Woman. I know that's a different movie, but you know, <laughs> uh, different franchise. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a good promo. Probably one of the best ones of the night. Um, then next up we have. Uh, where I lose my screen here. Uh, next up, then we have uh, the first uh, the first tag team match of the night. Um, we've got Judeus and PJ Hawk representing um, Scion's team, Team Great, taking on Damage and Rush Freeman of Team Fixers. Now, you are assembling these matches to earn points. If I'm the team captain, Jay, Jay Bradley, and I know that they're throwing a, a just a makeshift tag team together in Judeus and PJ Hawk. I think this is 
100% the time where you get uh, Wrecking Ball, Ligurski, and Bradley in the ring and have them wrestle this match because they are the uh, between the, the four men, they are the ones with the most tag team experience. Um, and then I feel like this was a missed opportunity for them to score some easy points. Uh, as the match goes on, um, you know, uh, the PJ starts off with damage. Uh, PJ, I, I really think highly of PJ. I think PJ has uh, so much upside and he's a young dude, but I really feel like he can take that next step. And I feel like he could slot him into a couple of different things. He could be uh, a junior heavyweight competitor. He could be a TV champion competitor. Um, there's so many different places to use him as well as a tag team division with his pops. So I feel like he, he, he's like, to me, he's one of the future like pillars of the NWA. Um, him and him and uh, damage kick things off. Uh, but shortly after uh, the, the wheels kind of fall off on this one. The match just ends up everywhere. You've got Damage and Freeman. They can't seem to get on the same page. And that basically is the the tall tale of this one. It just cost them the story. Uh, it cost them the match. Um, you know, the, multiple times Damage was trying to get Freeman to use, like, you know, unscrupulous methods in his wrestling. And uh, it just didn't work. They ended up losing. What did you think of this one, Rick? I like all four of these guys. And... I just, like you said, it, it was just a bit confusing after a couple minutes, you know, and then it just seemed to just end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one didn't really didn't do much for me at all. Again. Yeah. And it's a shame. Um, Dave Scooby says, Captain America. Uh, I feel like they could have really done something exciting here. And and I think, you know, this is the first match, the, the first, uh, the first night of the championship series. I know they're not going to pull all the stops out on the first night, but I think that would have been a, a match that would have more lasting impact. Plus, you could have called it a, a U.S. title match and, and had that written off as well. Um, didn't didn't love it, but um, you know it is what it is. Next, we get uh, Scion in the back with with May, and you know Scion has never been a good promo guy. Uh, I you know I see what he tweets, I see some of the videos he posts on social media. I wish that Scion was in the NWA. We get a wooden and laconic scion, especially when it comes to promos. It's just very unemotional. And I know, I guess that's what they're going for, but I, I don't care for it. Um, scion is very happy with his team and credits his father with giving him the skills to coach up this team. I mean, it's like, put some, put some heart into it. Uh, but anyways, uh, he, he mentions that he's very happy with his team, that they're not just there to score points. They're there to win the whole thing. And, I mean, I get the ex the excitement there. Um, May asked where Austin Idol is in, in his responses. He's on a very specific mission for the championship series, and it's none of your business. Uh, I can't with Sion. Uh, Rick, what did you think of this one? I don't. Like you said, his promo skills are nothing right now. When he first came in and there was they were bringing in this whole mystery thing, mystery man, before he had the Scion name, I yeah. was pretty intrigued by the, the character and the storyline. And it wasn't until he got in the ring. Oop, sorry, I'm muting my mic. Um, until he got in the ring with Tyrus that I just kind of lost interest. Like They, they, they yeah. kind of killed the character that way. Even they tried to bring it back and give him a title, and it's just not working. You know, it's just... Uh, they killed the character. So, and, and it's wild because, excuse me, if you see him 
some of the matches that he does on the indies and representing the NWA as the national champion. These are national championship title defenses. It's a different breed. And that's the guy I would like to see in the NWA. Um, the, like I said, the promos are better. Uh, the wrestling's more exciting. Um, I don't know. Anyways, let, I'm going to jump back into the comment section because I just want to uh, make sure our, our fans are fans. Our viewers are feeling the love tonight. Uh, James H. Jackson, going back to Paro, he says, yeah, that means good things for Paro. A lot of his tweets show him in the gym. He's working hard to get back in wrestling shape. That's good, man. I, I want nothing but the best for Paro. Dave Scooby, when it comes to Rolando, musicians love small people. You know, Billy Corgan's a tall guy. I don't know if you guys know this, but he's he's probably a good 6'2", six, 6'3". Six six um, but I, when I met him, he was a lot taller than me. I'm not a very big guy anyways, but uh, a lot taller than me. Willie Bowen mentions that three and four-way matches suck. I think they have you could you could use them sometimes. I, I would never use them as the main event and only to kind of like uh kick off shows, I think would be the best use of those. I think that e- ECW in the Attitude Era killed that whole concept because they yeah. were just so overdone at that point. Like every show had them or and then there'd be multiple and and yeah, and Billy just loves them and loves to bring them in. And I get the idea, too, because like it gives the opportunity for putting the most amount of talent out there so that they all get camera time. But at the end of the day, it's like it's got to make sense. All of this is supposed to make some sort of sense. Jaden, um, again, you, you've helped out with matchmaking in the past. What are your thoughts on triple threats and, and four ways? Uh, it's stupid. Every <laughs> once in a while, you can get away with, say, a four corners match where two people are in the ring or six pack challenge where two people are in a ring at a time and it's elimination. Uh, that could be used for maybe a championship or something. But honestly, do you see in the UFC, do you see four people in a four way match fighting for the UFC? Do you see them boxing? Oh, um, only in the Russian sports. Do you see four hockey teams going at it at the same time, all trying to score? Yeah. I mean, that would kind of be interesting, honestly. Probably a cluster fudge, but you really don't. You know why? Because it's legitimate sports. In legitimate sports, you have two people going against each other, and then there's one winner, hopefully, and then the person who wins a bunch gets a championship match. And that's why wrestling was done for years. And now that it's not, nobody cares about championship matches. Hey, Jaden, with that being said, how do you feel about like six-man tag or multi-man tag matches where you have one team versus one team? Is that is that a better or worse uh, concept? I love tag team matches. One of my greatest thing in wrestling is tag team. But it's still one team versus one team. Six-man matches, it kind of depends. A lot of six-man matches are three teams of people that have no association whatsoever, just kind of thrown together to get themselves on TV. It's cool when the Heenan family would wrestle as a six-man tag, and you'd have Harley Race, Hercules, and Hernandez, and Rick Rude. But yeah. it's not so cool when, say, um, Saw Renaro, uh, Paro, and... Uh, Jordan Clearwater, our six-man tag team, have nothing at all in common. But, no reason but like, to be a six-man other than they just don't currently have a match. But with that being said, like when the ill-begotten were still Rush Freeman, Alex Taylor, and Jeremiah Plunkett taking on the miserably faithful, even though we're not necessarily a fan, but you've got Judeus and 
and uh, uh, Sal and the Gimp. I mean, at least then you have your team consistency, right? Like that would yeah. be a little bit more acceptable. I mean, I, nothing's acceptable with a Gimp, but <laughs> I do is. understand the concept. The concept is, yeah, you had team versus team. You had a reason for these people to be there. At least it was something. Not, again, three random people that were picked out of a hat. A lot of times I think wrestling promoters pick six-man matches like sci-fi picks their concepts and names for their movies. You just kind of throw a dart against the the thing, whatever it hits. That's the next. All right, let me, let me throw one. All right, all right, we got Octopi. All right, let me throw this one from Uranus. And let me throw this one with implants. All right, there's our new sci-fi movie. We got Octopi with implants from Uranus. <laughs> Not my anus. Uh, and I want to ask this question to you next, uh, Rick. But uh, yep. Willie says also wrestlers from Wildcat should be on the NWA roster. Oh, wait, that's not what the one I meant to pull up. Uh, he said, Dax Draper, Jordan Clearwater are the future of NWA pro wrestling. Rick, based on the roster as it stands now, who would you say is the future of the NWA? Well, earlier um, I wanted to bring it up, but um, we got to talking to something else. I think Jordan Clearwater could be that guy to get into that position. You know what I mean? He's already associated with Tyrus in the past. Yeah. He has a past with Tyrus. It would just, it would be good story to do that. And I think that the, obviously, you know, he's the United Wrestling Network champion. That the, um, they're confident enough to put the title on him. The guy has the look as well, and he's a very good wrestler. I think that uh, they should just build the story and uh, pull the trigger on on him. I remember I was immediately impressed when I saw Dak Draper. Yeah. So he's I actually, great. I, he's great. Yeah. yeah. I think they should be. There's a lot of wrestlers out there that I think if they stop putting on quadruple man matches and <laughs> thank you <laughs> and seeing wrestlers who just kind of don't belong there or people who don't deserve an interview and gimps that maybe they could have a really good roster with some really young talent and make them. Remember how we were saying earlier, MLW may not have the best eye counts, but they do make stars. I think if the NWA can do that, they could have their own uh, Hammerstone and MJF and um, Ricky, uh, um, Jacob Fatu and and a couple of things like that. <laughs> I almost said Rakishi, yeah. Uh I did it for the rock. Um, I I want to <laughs> echo the sentiment both of you guys just said. I think Clearwater clearly is uh, being uh, groomed for something great within the NWA. And I don't know how much longer he will be with the United Wrestling Network, but uh, Dave Marquez certainly invested a lot in him, putting him in the ring with matches with guys like Frankie Kazarian, Chris Masters, Adonis. Uh, uh, who else did he wrestle recently? Um, Carlito. Uh, 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 CM, uh, no, not CM Punk, Cole Cabana. <laughs> oh, that's not right at all. Uh, I felt like he really was invested in, in him, and I feel like between the two programs, Jordan Clearwater is certainly being groomed for a greater. And if he happens to stay in the independence, um, I think he could certainly be a guy down the road to carry the 10 pounds of gold. With that being said, Dax Draper is most impressive, and I. Yeah. I really feel like, and this would be a great way to dig at Aldis if they chose to, he should start referring to himself as the American treasure 
you know, and, and, and kind of copy the mannerisms that Aldous had slightly, not all the way, but slightly, maybe start showing up in suits talking about how he's the best thing going on. He's going to do the Draper crusade. And I think that would be a lot of fun um, because they don't really have a direction for him yet, but I think that kid has a ton of potential as well. Um, Willie Bowen says the fixtures should cut down on comedy skits and antics, be more serious in the ring. I think there's room for both Willie. I do. Um, This next statement I really agree with though. Willie says BFT should be the next NWA world tag team or United States tag team champions. I am one of these guys that I'm, I'm all in on blunt force trauma. I think carnage and damage under the uh, tutelage of Aaron Stevens. is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you're not getting doom vibes, you probably didn't watch wrestling in the nineties. Uh, these, these guys look very dominant. They go out there in that uh, same vein as the road warriors. They just go out there and beat people up. They've only had one match so far, but you know, with, with, uh, I'm getting that Doom vibe. I'm getting that Road Warriors vibe, especially with Aaron Stevens kind of being that uh, Paul Ellering role. I, I just feel like this is a good tag team, and I hope they put some uh, in, time into them. I hope we see more from them. Um, I'd like to see the, the, more of them as well. I think they're uh, – I was quite impressed with them as a team. And like you said, Doom all the way. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. When you look at the roster uh, just after hard times – uh, you know, it, it kind of felt like we were lacking in tag teams again because, you know, we, we lost the Commonwealth connection. They're gone. Uh, the Southern gentlemen are still around. You've got the ear begotten. Uh, you have the spectaculars. Um, but you don't really have a serious contender for the world tag titles. And all of a sudden, now you got Pope teaming with JTG. So that kind of replaced uh, uh, Dirty Dango and JTG, JTG. So instead of the dirty sexy boys. Now you kind of have a, uh, you know, you could have the Pope and JTG. So that could be a, a replacement tag team. I just feel like the tag team uh, is certainly getting the division starting to get better. The Pope um, and the God. Yeah. I, I know that. Uh, I don't know if Scooby's still on, but he had a great name for him. And I can't remember what he called him. I think it's like uh, the Hope and Pope or something like that. Uh, or we the all God. hope for Pope. No, no, it was the God Squad. Excuse me, G A W D squad, and I thought that was a good name for him. But he also called the uh, uh, blunt force trauma before we knew their name. He called them doom and gloom, so I like that one too. Um, all right, let's get back to some of the wrestling. Oh, real quick, Billy Corgan is six foot four, and uh, and Sion's uh, special mission code is for fifty one fifty hold. So maybe that's where poor Austin Idol is, is in some sort of institution. Um, Shouldn't joke about that, but I think it's funny. Uh, next up, we have May back stage with Camille. And this was just normally Camille's pretty good on the mic. I'm not going to say she's great. And this is definitely an example of when she's not great on the mic. This was kind of a train wreck. She's not happy with EC3. She accuses EC3 of trying to cheat his way to victory, accuses Team Tyrus cheating to win. Basically even says that maybe EC3 has eyes for Tom Latimer um, and that her team is going to win the right way. She was a heel for most of her career, so I don't know why all of a sudden the right way is that important to her. What did you think about this one, Rick? Yeah. um, As of late, it doesn't seem that Camille's promo skills are all there. You know, uh, it just seems like she's taking a step back. I want them to to try to rebuild her again, 
it seems like there's just I have and I and I hate to keep referring to this and saying the same line throughout this, but I've lost a little bit of interest in her. I was a huge fan of hers for quite some time, and it just seems like the last maybe month or two, uh, since the match with Taya, I believe, that yeah. I just haven't been too interested, and in her promo skills have really done not much for me either. So this, yeah. I, you can I only work to... there with maturity you're given. Um, she probably yeah. has nothing to talk about, so she doesn't know how to talk about nothing. They haven't really like showcased her like in for a little while, like as a very serious, you know, champion. Well, and the problem too is like she's basically run roughshod all over the NWA. There, there's nobody yeah. left. Like she's beat everybody. And she hasn't just beat them one on one, but she's beaten them in triple threat matches. Like Chelsea put, give like genocide like a bigger push. Put her in the spotlight. I think that, that would be an incredible matchup. Well, and I think the way to do that too is not just, you know. Make make it be more than just a, a one off, you know. Have yeah. her go go challenge Camille and do the whole Rocky Balboa storyline, right? Yeah. Where she she doesn't win, but she just earned everyone's respect in the whole wide world because she stood toe to toe with the champion. And now people begin to doubt Camille and like, what is she really capable of? And if you had genocide and that storyline build up that way, like I, I'm not advocating that Billy Corgan start ripping off movies from the '80s to uh, perpetuate storylines in the NWA, but in this case, I'm going to say, yes, do it. That would be such a meaningful match and such a great experience. And then what do you have at the end of it? Genocide is a woman's world champion. And, and Camille like has to re-step, re, re, you know, rebuild, regroup. Um, I think that'd be good for everybody. I, I think right now you're right. She's done everything. So what more can you do with her? Dear Billy Corgan, steal booking ideas from Rocky 1, 2, and 3. Stop stealing booking ideas from Rocky 4. I'm Rocky Five. I mean, Rocky I just five. watched those three uh, in the last two days. So, <laughs> so you you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then and then maybe we'll get that montage of them on the beach training together. There you go. <laughs> and I, you know, heart on fire. <laughs> I'm a married son- man, but I wouldn't mind seeing Camille and um, and uh, genocide out on the beach in bikinis, running down the beach. I think that'd be a uh, good programming. I'm with you, Jay. <laughs> All right, so next up uh we have uh the main event. And this you know when when people talk about Billy Corgan having a thing for big guys, right? Like this this I'm good with. I'm good with this. That this is what I like to call a uh a big men slapping meat match. Uh we call it a hoss fight. But every time when Billy Corgan's vision of the NWA is brought into question, I wish this is what he was talking about. Uh, Because you get these two bruiserweights in the ring, and they don't hold anything back. They're beating the shit out of each other. Um, It it goes back and forth between just these two gargantuan dudes beating the crap out of each other. This is the pro wrestling that I grew up with in the 80s. And, uh, you know, this was a fun and exciting match. I thought it was really, really good. Um, and I think maybe it even might be a breakthrough moment for Silas because he got this big victory following the thrill ride, which is uh, uh, the black hole sun, the black hole flam, or uh, uh, a perfect storm type maneuver. And that's a big victory for Team Tyrus. Uh, I, I like this. Uh, what, what did you think about Rick? Did you, did you like this match? 
I love Kratos, and I'm really getting into the Thrillbilly uh, since his arrival in the NWA. At first, I was like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? It was like, but I've grown a f- to be a fan of him and Poyo, and Kratos is, you know, like I said, just a big, beefy guy that likes to hit hard, and this match was just that, a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and when you think about when you think about uh, the meteoric rise of the Thrillbilly Silas, right? When he showed up with Poyo, and I was the first person to be like, "No, I'm out. This is stupid." Um, but the dynamic that the two have has really grown on me. Obviously, I, I do appreciate Poyo jumping in here, but I would say this to her, and I've already said it to her. I was she had to sell me on it, and and they did. The work that they did uh, certainly um, it made me more interested to see what was going to happen next. And uh, I think it's fun. And he goes out there and beats the crap out of people. And she's just, you know, she's <clears throat> foil. It's fun. I, I think it, it works. And I, I think I see big things in the future for Silas. Uh, with that being said, I don't think Kratos looks bad taking an L here either. And you really have this dynamic where Silas, you know, I I don't think um, I don't think that uh, Poyo mentioned it here. She said six. She she's got six guys on the roster that she think could be potential challengers for the world champion. She didn't specifically say Silas is that person, one of those six. But I think with enough seasoning and flavor, he could be very much could be. I think he's definitely in in uh, in the queue for a title down the road here. Uh, if he keeps moving the way he's moving, you know, and, and they keep pushing, working the way he's working here, because I, I've I've become quite a fan of his since his arrival. Jaden, I got to ask you. I know you didn't see the show, but have you seen Silas at all in the ring? Are you familiar with him? I'm not, and now I'll have to look him up because I'll have to see what's got what's calls and all this, and see what the. <laughs> The ruckus is to see what, what I can find out. Where does um, where does Poyo live? Where where does Poyo come from? Uh, San Francisco. Oh really? Okay. Legitimately or gimmickly? No, uh, both. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, it's funny because uh, she actually was hosting hosting a um, I, I forgot what it was something for like a drag queen type event that happened in Palm Springs, which I literally live like 20 minutes away from. And had I known, I might've taken my wife to go see that because she likes drag queen stuff anyways. And I was like, Oh, well next time, let me know when you're coming out here. We, we might check it out. But uh, yeah, she, she legitimately lives in San Francisco and, uh, and she does a lot of work with um, game changer wrestling. And she does a lot of work with some of the uh, promotions in NorCal. She worked in India out here. Um, I think in September. And uh, and uh, in Connecticut and and yeah, she was a lot of fun to uh, to witness here. Uh, I didn't realize you lived that close to Palm Springs. My dad just moved back from Connecticut or to Connecticut from Palm Springs. So <laughs> yeah, look, no, I'm I'm uh, we we uh, we vacation out in uh, in uh, Cathedral City kind of a lot. I was recently at a uh, masked uh, a masked uh, what are they called? I'm God, now I feel bad. Mass Republic Lucha Show. Okay. Um, that they did at the uh, Cathedral City um, Agua Caliente Casino. And it was really cool because uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but I'll keep it short. 
uh, Agua Caliente, the casinos out there in, in Cathedral City, is where they first had the original Masked Warriors Lucha Libre show that aired on MTV. That's where they kicked off. And so to see Lucha Libre there was uh, it I, stupid, but I just like I felt like I completed There's history story. there. Yeah, yeah, it's history. yeah, yeah. So they're actually doing a, another show there on uh, on the uh, July or excuse me January twenty um, fourth, but that's also the same weekend that I'm going to Mesa, Arizona to see Championship Wrestling and the United Wrestling Network. So I won't be able to make their second uh, next show. But uh, that that was it. Uh, we have the score now for uh, the the ongoing score. We know that, uh, and this is I tried to to put the pieces together, but this isn't complete. So if uh, it, we'll find out next week who some of the more of these teams are, but Team Tyrus has eight points. And Team Tyrus, I believe, is Tyrus and Black G's. It's captain and a assistant. And uh, on the team that we know so far is Rolando, who that's uh, Rolando. Uh, got to choose which team to go on. So he's on Team Tyrus along with uh, the Thrillbilly and EC3. Team Brickhouse has one point and they're captained by Camille and the assistant is Poil Damar. Uh, they have Tom Latimer, Kratos, and Jeremiah Plunkett that we know so far. The Fixers seem like the most complete team. Um, it's Jay Bradley with Wrecking Ball Ligursky and their team is Odinson, Marty Bell, Kylan King, and Rush Freeman. They have two points. Uh, Team Great has five points. Now, they didn't specifically say it, but the Sinister Minister was sitting next to Sion for the show, and I think maybe he might be the assistant. And their team is made up of Bully Ray, Angelina Love, Misa Kate, PJ Hawks, Judeus, and Sal the Pal. Uh, We have Team Gold, who is Jordan Clearwater with Magic Jake as the captain and assistant. And the only person we know that on that team is Anthony Andrews. And then uh, there's also Team Pretty, which is captained by Kenzie Page. But we weren't really uh, told any more about Team Pretty. There's supposed to be eight teams in total. By my count, we have six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So uh, obviously there's more to be told later. Uh, I really felt like they, they kind of messed up by not having some sort of draft, uh, either offline or online during the show to kind of get familiar with it. Rick, do you think it would have been better if they would have had a draft, or you think it's fine the way it is? I think it would definitely would have made more sense to do something like that or do something on their website. They don't utilize their website enough for anything. They no. just say, here's where you buy your tickets. Here's where you buy your merch. They don't have any online articles. They don't feature the roster. There's literally nothing on there. It's probably one of the weakest NWA sites I've ever <laughs> Encountered, yeah. I, and I don't definitely mean to... not great. Like alliance-wrestling.com, your number there one you source of, of information on the NWA. I, I really, fuck. I've been mean. Thank you. I've been meaning to work on like more pro uh, profiles for the site to to cover the um the NWA, but man, it's been difficult. Um, also, uh, our pal Dave Scooby just pointed out in the chat that uh, La Rebellion and Team Rock and Roll with Kerry Morton are the other teams. So okay. there's. La Rebellion, man, I wish I was booking the NWA because, uh, you know, Luke Hawk was a member of La Rebellion Amaria in Tijuana, and I hope he's part of their team too. And uh, Team Rock and Roll with Kerry Morton. Um, <coughs> I bet Ricky's on that team as well. Uh, and then Media M5, our, our good friend Mike, 
not Matt says uh, the new NWA website is nothing like what the old Tharp NWA website used to be, even as bad as it was with the streaming service. Yeah, I, I just uh, I, I don't feel like they utilize it as much as they could. Of course, um, you know I, I know that as a society we kind of changed from the need to having websites and more of a presence on social media. But I think uh, I think you could benefit from having all three. You know, like a good yeah. web presence. A good uh, social media gotta, presence. You gotta be everywhere. Yeah. You know? So I mean, there's gonna be people that will go to the sites. Excuse me. And like I said, they should do things that maybe incorporate the storylines. Maybe exclusive videos just for the website. I know there might be not be a lot of people. A lot of people are just gonna click over to YouTube or whatever. But try that. You know, it's not. Uh, they really need to improve that. I think that would be uh, very vital. Uh, very vital to the uh, to the brand. Well, we're gonna we're gonna kind of stop here for the night. Um, I do want to, Rick. I do want to give you a few minutes to just plug everything that's going on in the PMZ podcast. I know you've got uh, Vin, uh, our pal Vinny coming on in a, a couple of weeks, but what else is next? What are you doing? I know that you're live streaming. It seems like every day now. I see stuff on <laughs> Facebook or YouTube, um, live wrestling. Um, yeah. Uh, wrestling discussion what's going on a pwz podcast well i do film for a independent out here called paradise alley pro wrestling and i stream their uh shows there weekly on my uh saturday mornings usually uh right now we're in between uh tapings so uh next weekend there will be more shows coming um and you know there's a i'm working a show for a company called um Bay State Championship Wrestling out of Springfield, Massachusetts this weekend. So if you guys are in that area, go check it out, uh, please. And it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great show. Um, and that's pretty much it. Right now, the uh, only thing that I have going on is Vinny's coming on. And, yeah, just check me out on any uh, form of social media that you can at the PWZ Podcast. And then uh, Media M5 says, uh, Paradise Alley, good guys there. So uh, Absolutely. Mike Absolutely. And, of yeah. course, um, – I know that uh, there is a show in the works. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me say that again. There's an event in the works uh, for Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. I know that they're going to have a, a big event in the spring, but uh, there's something happening at the Roland University. Rowan University, excuse me. Uh, Jane, is there anything you could tell us about that? Uh, I can tell you, and here's a exclusive. It's never been broadcast. So I'm probably not allowed to say anything. But the Rowan University event is private for Rowan University. But there's a good chance that they'll allow us to record it and put it on YouTube this time. But I can tell you already signed is the Busky Dog Champion, Busky Eric Martin. The World Wrestling Grand Prix Champion, Chris Steeler. Chris you got the Dangerous... Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators Tag Team Champions with the original Fixer, Vinny the Fixer, and Patch. Speaking of Fixer, I hear NWA pending that a certain Fixer may show up, Hey, as in maybe Wrecking Ball Gursky. NWA pending, of course. And it just signed somebody the NWA knows well, somebody MLW knows well, people from the WWE might remember him because he was definitely more tough enough. Uh, but it will say M Dog, Mac Cross. The right. M Dog finally comes to Dog. He will be <clears throat> si he is signed. I just got that confirmation, and he will be at the Rowan event, which will be Thursday evening. 
almost into Friday morning. Actually, not even almost. It will go into Friday morning. <laughs> February 23rd at the Rowan Student Center in beautiful downtown Glassboro, New Jersey. It's not so rustic. Not so rustic. Yeah. Actually, right. it's closer to uptown than I think about it. It's closer to uptown Glassboro, New Jersey. No, no. That's definitely downtown. I don't know. I have to figure out where my damn town is. I have to get a compass. But either one of the damn parts of the town. What was that? Don't you live in that city? Yeah, I know. I don't leave my house. I hate people. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I leave for dog events, and I leave for when when, uh, they have special at the the new soup place that just opened up. And that's what I only leave for. Yeah, I know. I like soup. Uh, um, soup. And that just opened up, and that's the only reason that I leave my house now is for soup and for wrestling. Speaking of uh, soup and pro wrestling, I saw a super place to watch pro wrestling, and that's dogprowrestling.com's YouTube page, which I believe is also Dog Pro Wrestling. Is that is that correct, Jane? I think it's so. <laughs> if you guys, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have social media. I don't have. To, I, uh, you know what I have? I have soup. Yes. <laughs> Yes, soup and a trail of. Uh, never mind. Um, <clears throat> if you go to the Alliance uh, YouTube page of the Alliance blog, uh, we do have links to both the Pro Wrestling Zone podcast and Dog Pro Wrestling. We list them as uh, co-conspirators, so make sure you go and uh, subscribe. Um, Please. Reason that uh, you shouldn't be subscribed to these channels because they're offering you pro wrestling and pro wrestling talk. And I don't, I can't think of a thing better than that. It's like corn. It's a, it's a very beautiful thing, but uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, Rick, maybe, uh, maybe Rick, what are you doing next week? You want to come back? Um, Let me check my schedule. I do uh, work sometimes on Thursdays, but uh, you know, I'll look at it this uh, tonight and, and and I'll let you know. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but no, I could probably get out of it just to, just to do that. So (laughs) look at that. Um, So guys, uh, hopefully uh, Rick will be back next week. And of course uh, I don't, we didn't officially say this, but the last two weeks of December, we're going to go dark completely. Your boy Jay's going out of the country. So uh, we're going to go dark for the last two weeks and we'll be back in January, but we will be here next week. That'll be the season finale of the uh, Alliance guys for this uh, year 15 of doing this podcast. I can't believe it's been that long. Congratulations, man. That's yeah, awesome. It, it, you know what? It's awesome. And it's uh we do it just because you know the guys are here in this chat. What's that? We're nuts. That too. Well, I've been I've been following you 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 a very, very long time, probably longer than uh, you realize. I know we've only been since talking, he was in high school. Probably. You know, I've been talking to you for probably only a couple of years, but I, I knew about you way before that. So well, and I, not only that, but maybe in March we'll see Rick Del Santo come to a dangerous adrenaline wrestling vet, gladiators event, come down to New Jersey, Glassboro, New Jersey, the uh, rustic part of Glassboro, New Jersey, and he can hang out with Jay and DK at a dog wrestling event. I've also got Tim from NWA Gold. I've, I've, I put a bug in his ear, so it would be really cool if we could maybe do something live at a you know dog event. Maybe we could live stream it, uh, just a, a little bit of it, and we could all jump on there and talk. But anyways, guys, I do appreciate you being here each and every Thursday. We'll be back on Tuesday for another rending edition of the pre-party with J Cal. Of course, the other Alliance guys will be here on Wednesday to discuss the events of NWA USA. We'll be back here next Thursday. Hopefully Tim, uh, Tim, hopefully 
Uh, Rick will be here with us, and we'll be talking all things NWA, including power. But until then, we'll see you at the matches. Have a good night. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. for NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.